welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood. As we start a new month here on the Retro Blood, where we'll be talking all about proms, uh, school, college, exams, everything that everybody yeah. loves to hear about school. All right, we're going to be talking all <laughs> about that here on the Retro Blood because we are diving, deep diving into 1980s horror movies. They have to surround high school, college, prom, everything. Up yeah. next, if you like... Prom di- mayhem. Prom mayhem, brother. All right. <laughs> if you like disco dancing, which I know Allison does, he he loves the disco oh, dancing. Yes. I mean, that's a, right up his alley. If you like drama, a lot of drama. We're probably going to have a lot of drama in this month because, you know, it's high school and shit. Yeah. If you like this guy named Lou who's like wants to order a bunch of cheeseburgers on this girl's budget, then this is the review Blue. for you, brother, because Retro Blood's Blue. talking all about prom night. I hate Lou, bro. What's wrong with my boy <laughs> Lou? All right. No, when I as soon as I watched as soon as when I watched that movie, I was like, oh, yep, James is Lou is the James character in this. Yeah. <laughs> What's the problem? He, has but, a, he, and, uh, he gets yeah, kicked out of school. No all right, has his girl yeah. Wendy. All right, get him a yeah. hamburger. That's all he wanted. All right, say so she's like, oh, I guess she's all right. You know, looking and stuff. He has his big plot, and then what happens? He just gets beheaded. I mean, shit happens. Yeah, yeah. So true. a couple of things I want to get. So like I say, we're going to be talking all this month of May about you know proms, mm-hmm. you know school. There, I didn't realize there's like a there's like a a plethora of fucking 1980s. Horror movies that involve like school, college, yeah. all this shit. I didn't fucking. There was like so many. So we're only we're only do four, and I think we picked out we a pretty good amount four. of four. Yeah, right. Now we might come back in uh, another month down the road and do four more, but there is a lot. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, next May we'll do some more. Yeah, there you go. But it's uh yeah, but I mean I guess it makes sense though when you think about it, like that horror movies would, especially nineteen eighties horror movies would take place around high school graduation because there's so much like um you know teenage stuff and like so much like um young young girls you know the like you know the like young girls and death scenes and things like that which is such a staple especially of slasher films which this is one of um that, that it makes sense for for that for that to exist like I'm really surprised there's not more of them actually yeah well you know so, 
I'm pretty sure that this movie was made because of the success of Halloween. I mean, you you, you, no can, you can definitely tell. It's probably to like this movie was definitely inspired by the first Halloween and a lot of scenes and even how the yeah. uh, the director filmed the, the the movie. There's a lot of like stealing different camera shots that. I even wrote in my notes many times. Okay, that was in Halloween. That camera yeah. style was in Halloween. Uh, but you know what? This also reminded me of too was how the first uh, Friday the Thirteenth movie was. Because yes. if you remember the first Friday the Thirteenth, which we will do someday, some here on the Retro yep. Blood, the the actual kill scenes are like you don't actually see contact. You know what I mean? You see the aftermath. In, in this movie? Yeah, this movie and, and yeah, how Friday the movie. 13th, the, the first one was as well too, where it's impl- like we don't really see the whole whole action of somebody getting stabbed or killed. It's basically they, they, they grab them, it looks like you're going to stab them, and then we cut and they're already dead. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like a big stable that was happening in the 1980s where they didn't show the actual like death right away. Yeah, I mean, I would say Friday the 13th. So it seems like this movie to me has made like a point of not showing it. Like there's not a whole lot of gore in this movie compared to like other movies. Yeah. Um, Even Friday the 13th. But like, you know, when you look back at a movie like Last House on the Left, which I'm sure we'll also eventually do somehow for Lights Out. But um, I I feel like that that was way more graphic than what we saw in Prom Night. Oh yeah, because like, I think this this one was basically like the horror movie that you know it's an R rating to get in there. Yeah, but we're not gonna see too much crazy shit. You know what I mean? We're not gonna yeah, see true. true. Like later on in the eighties, like maybe towards your eighty fives, your eighty six, you say that's when we're seeing some like okay, we're gonna we're gonna get the blood and the guts falling out. You know, when we usually when yeah, we mostly okay. do the nineteen, <clears throat> usually when we do the nineteen eighties, at least in American horror, like foreign's way different. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> way different. But at least in nineteen eighties yeah. American horror films, they don't have as much gore. It's more like implied. Well, that that's kind of true. You're right. You're right. I mean, I you know, in those Italian movies that we do, there's a lot of you know eyeball explosions and eye gouging and things like that, but. But, but yeah, you're right. At this point, like I feel like there's still like a lot of implied violence. Um, although I think the violence is more what's the word I'm looking for? More visceral. Like it's more like personal. Yeah. You know, like in the seventies there was a lot of implied violence up until like Halloween and up well, I mean, Halloween obviously influenced this movie and every slasher film to ever come after it. But, like, I feel like there's a lot of implied violence until you get up to, like, Last House on the Left, which was way more graphic and visceral than this. But I feel like this movie has a lot of, like, per- like really personal violence, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. Like, every, it's, it's really up close and personal. Like, it's just, like, you know, a guy who traps, like, a girl in a corner and you know he's like i'm just gonna cut your throat kind of thing which is like you know a hallmark of slasher movies yeah which is which you didn't really have before halloween and before movies like this and i wonder if they were trying to like patent the broken mirror glass weapon 
It's like, boy, whatever. So it's funny that you would say that because yeah. <laughs> I watch this movie as I do most of these. Yeah. In stages. So I watched the first part of it. And then which which had the broken mirror part. And then I got to the part where they find the pieces of the broken mirror and I'm like, why the fuck is that in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> It was like I totally forgot about that scene, and I'm like, "What well, they does do, this have to do with anything?" They do remind me. Oh yeah. yes, yeah, they do remind me. Yeah, they do. I also me, do so. like the the uh, the sparkly ski mask because like, so, there is some scene. <laughs> okay, I mean, obviously we'll get into the full breakdown of it, but well, there's, there's a couple. That, but yeah, uh, the, the, dis- the disco the disco ski mask. It was yeah. like everything is sparkly in this. Like. Where did you find a sparkly ski mask? Yeah, no, it was it just, fucking great. It there. And, and Leslie Nielsen in a serious role, yeah. which is not what I'm used to from him, because like I grew up with Leslie Nielsen in uh, the Naked Gun movie. Yeah, exactly. But I could not believe my eyes him being serious. <laughs> I like it, it was. We'll, we'll talk like this. This I've only seen him in Naked Gun as well too. And I saw yeah, him on here. Exactly. I'm like, I was like, fuck, is that? No, I was like, this guy. Wait a minute, is that the dude from Naked Gun? And then he's all serious and shit. I'm yeah. like. Like my brain wasn't computing of what he was saying, like at all. No, like no. I, I think my like brain I was telling that. me, my brain was telling me that's not really him. This is some dude that looks like him, right? Like, <laughs> like I knew that going into the '80s, like I knew that he was he was almost exclusively a serious actor, but like that's not like what I know of as Leslie Nielsen, and like exactly. But <laughs> that scene where he's dancing at the prom with his daughter, like I was just laughing my ass off because it looked so funny. Like it was just like. Leslie Nielsen doing his like funny thing, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was it was awesome though. So, but everybody, just like every retro blood, we are going to be doing our history segment, our weekly history oh, segment yeah. of what is happening around the release date of this particular movie, which is Prom Night. Um, mm-hmm. and we're going to be talking about what's happening in the metal scene and the pro wrestling scene around the release date. Which is July eighteenth, nineteen eighty. So we're like, yes. this is the first year of the eighties, brother. We're getting yeah. out of the seventies. We're starting. Nineteen eighties are young. Yeah, they're young, fresh. Early nineteen eighties. This movie is about two months after the original Friday the Thirteenth, which I thought that was pretty interesting as well too. Um, so you know we're. we're we're seeing a pattern of some of these movies, but we're also seeing a pattern of some of the wrestling and the metal too. So, yeah. So, what do you think we should talk about first? Uh, how about we get the the wrestling out of the way? Because I know we have All some right, big let's do wrestling. Uh, yeah, because I know we have some big. Um, yeah, metal is metal. big. Metal is a big deal. Yeah. This wrestling that we found was basically it was an AWA show, which we talked yes. about the AWA on here before, uh, where it being uh, basically it's a it's a. Um, it's a, it's a territory that's run run by Vern Gagne, and Vern Gagne was basically one of the pioneer. You know what's really interesting about the Vern Gagne is he was actually what? one of the pioneers of of sponsorship in wrestling. Interesting. Like nobody really did that too much until he did. Like he was the one that kind of like semi almost almost started the gimmick tables. You know what I mean? Because this guy right, would brand right. himself. Um, for like different things, like I, I can't remember exactly what he did, but it was like it was like TV ad stuff that we do, like you know shaving cream, <clears throat> you know shit like that. You know what I mean? Like little yeah. small things. And he was actually one of the the inventors of actually being a pro wrestler and 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 doing that. You know, so I right. like you know because Vern, 
you know, he was always a... He, the style of wrestling that he was was very mat-oriented, but he was also, yes. like, a very big, you know, amateur wrestler. He had a lot of, like, um, like a lot of, like, credibility to him. So that's what made him, like, a really yeah. big champion during this time. And then, of course, his promotion, the AWA, the reason he even started this promotion was because they didn't want to... The, the National Wrestling Alliance didn't want to put the belt on him, brother. They wanted to put it on Buddy Rogers. And that's pretty much, like, yeah. he, he wanted to be world champ. So basically, he was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do my own thing. So... Right. So didn't he actually pioneer uh basically pioneer action figures in wrestling? Yeah, I mean so with the rim with the Rimco action figures, they were the first yeah. wrestling action figures. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yes, yeah, he did that. Plus, you know, Hulk Hogan started underneath Ferngagna and the AWA yep. and the first ever Hulkamania shirts are you know, or Hulk Hulk rules and shit. You know, that was yeah. all under the AWA first before they even brought that to New York. So, mm -hmm. this guy is like the pioneer of the gimmicks, brother. Now we got gimmicks everywhere. They're like fucking. They got too much gimmicks. They're like fucking kiss. All right, fucking. I mean, even, even we've got. Yeah, like everybody's got the gimmicks. Even we got the gimmicks, right? Well, we need to start We're doing some gimmicks. shirts. Yeah, we need some gimmicks. I was gonna be like, can you explain this to me? That could be a shirt we could do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or I read the book. That'd be the, that'd be a great one. I read yeah, the that book. would be oh. that's the one you always don't want to talk about because I because I always read the book because I can read. So uh, Allison, always, before we get into the, the history, book. did you ever read the book on prom night? Yeah. Nope. Is okay. there a prom night book? I mean, we can make one. Anyway, we could we could what? We gonna <clears throat> write a book? Yeah, write a book about prom night. All right. <clears throat> All right. So like this show uh, was actually on the day that prom night came out. It's uh, July 18th, mm -hmm. 1980. And it's AWA, and we're in Chicago, brother. So, you know, Chicago's always been a great wrestling city. Still is to, the, to this day. Yeah. Yep. Um, so this fan drove, drove uh, drew, not drove, drew 12,000 fans. All right. So we'll talk about a couple of the little matches over here. Just the ones I found interesting on the card. Uh, we didn't actually get to see this card. So, you know, we'll have to see how it is and just be speaking about it. Um, so one of the first matches was when I, I always forget this too, but Bobby Heenan actually used to wrestle. Yes. Yeah. I never and, knew him as a wrestler, but yeah. yeah, he did used to wrestle. And he, he also same, he also developed that weasel gimmick in AWA mm -hmm. too. Like yeah. if, if you guys, okay. So before I get into the review, just really quick, if you guys actually like research the AWA and stuff, and, and when we talk about it. There's so much that the 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 WWF took from the AWA. Like they took, oh, like, yeah. like like Hulk Hogan. Everybody. I mean, not only that, they <laughs> took Bobby Heenan. They took Gene Okerlund. Yeah. They took Mister Perfect. Yeah. They took Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I mean, they took I just yep. Shawn Michaels came from the AWA. I mean, it yep. just and then With the, the thing is Rockers. the Midnight Rockers. And the thing is, okay, so you know nowadays, okay, let's say you get. Uh, let's say you get like um, who's a good example? Let's say you get Warload. Okay, you would bring him Warlord, to the yes. F, and you might call him something mm. different. You know what I mean? And you might repackage his old gimmick. You know, yeah. it's possible. You know, the AW. Not a lot of people got repackaged when they came over to the F from the AW. Well, no, because yeah, because nobody owned their well. No, companies didn't own their own the gimmicks then. Yeah. 
which is now kind of frowned upon really honestly uh only wwf does that or wwe does that now yes i mean honestly like if you're in AEW and you go somewhere else you still have your gimmick yeah that's true and remember a few years ago impact tried that with matt hardy they tried to sue him for uh uh you know, the, the broken the, character, uh, broken Matt Hardy, yeah. yeah, for the broken character, and and Jim Cornette was like, you know, just like, let it go. Don't don't sue the boys for the gimmick because only only WWE does that now. Yeah. So the first match we have is Greg Gagne, Vern Gagne's son, and he beat Bobby Heenan, Viva Canout. So you know, not too pretty good uh, little mid match there. Uh, we yeah, have yeah. Bobo Brazil defeated Super Destroyer. Mark Two, aka Sergeant Slaughter. She talked about yep, his gimmick. Sergeant Slaughter, her. Super Destroyer, exactly. We have uh, we have Wilbur Snyder battled Pat O'Connor to a no contest, and probably the match of the night, which is crazy because when it comes to these shows, like a lot of times, like they would actually um, they would actually leave with the tag matches for the main events. Yeah. So this one was actually right in the middle of the show and it was Vern Gagne he defeated Nick Bockwinkle to win the AWA World Heavyweight title, brother. So this does this does surprise me in one aspect in that he won the title. It doesn't it doesn't surprise me in a way it doesn't surprise me where it is on the card yeah. because this was probably the last match before the main, before the intermission. Yes, you know what I mean. So you want to have like a really hot, big match to go out on the main event or the intermission, so that people are like, "Oh, I got to come back for, got to get my popcorn and come back and see the rest of this." Um, so that makes sense that it would be there, but it is really weird that I feel like that he won the title right before the intermission. Yes. So actually, you know, they actually had really good matches, like Vern Gagne yes. and Nick Bockwinkel. Nick Bockwinkel was probably my favorite pro wrestler out of the AWA, like pure pro wrestler. I thought he, this guy yes. had everything, bro. I mean, he, his, his, his promos were great. He, you know, Jericho's the one that kind of like stole like his presence of saying like these really like big fancy words, you know, and his promos okay, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, so when Chris Jericho was doing that 2008 run where he's all in the suit and everything and being just like a very straight lace, like heel, like very like, you know, making him sound better than everybody else by using these big words. He actually got that from Nick yeah. Bockwinkle because Bockwinkle that, used to do that too. That's true. And you may disagree with us, but what I was thinking was somebody that reminds me of Nick Bockwinkle today is Nick Aldis. Yes. Very, yes. Very, very, very just like that. Yeah, the, the presentation is very similar. Yeah. You know, very serious, very championship yeah. guy. but And how he's like better than everybody else. Yes, exactly. So, and obviously, you know, this is during the time where Vern, <clears throat> he always pretty, he pretty much kept himself on top until he couldn't do it anymore. Right. So, and it was crazy too, is even when Hulk Hogan was getting hot, this is later on in the AWA, they never put the belt on that guy, which is crazy. Which yeah, that's well, that's true. But you know, he was still coming up. But we've talked about this before. Yeah. So like you know, we've talked about the territory days where it's completely different than it is now. Oh yeah. So back in the territory days, you had to put the title on somebody you could trust to not run off with your title. And to Vern, he was basically the only person he could trust. So yeah. he he kept it on himself most Every, of the time. Everybody did but, it. You know. 
everybody. Yeah, exactly. Everybody did it. But you know, him and him and Bachwinkle like, you know, traded the belt back and forth a lot because I feel like Vern probably felt like Bachwinkle and himself were the only people he could really trust in his organization not to run off with the title. Yes. And then when we came back from the break, we had the Crusher and Mad Dog Rashawn beat yep. Adrian Adonis and Jerry Valent, Guy Mitchell. And then apparently the main event was a battle royal. All right. So you want to hear who's mm -hmm. in our battle royal over here? Let's hear about it. So we have Jerry Blackwell. All right. Mm -hmm. We have Adrian Adonis back. He's in the battle royal. Mm -hmm. Bobo Brazil. Yeah. Paul, Paul Crispy, The Crusher. Yeah. Greg Gagne. Tim Tim Hampton. Yeah. Roger Kirby. Pat O'Connor. Steve, Steve Regal. Oh, shit. I didn't know he was in that thing. That's crazy. Uh, we had Billy yeah, he, Robinson. He had, a, yeah, he had an early card match on this card, but yeah. yeah. So I, Steve for, I always back. forgot that Steve Rico like started like very, very young. You know, he started around like what twelve? He's like twelve or thirteen in pro probably. wrestling. Probably. I mean, I mean, he's what in his fifties now, probably. Yeah. Let's see how old is Steve Regal now. Let's find out. Oh, he has to be like sixty or something like that. Well, well, I mean, he's a you know. Let's see. Let's find out. Yeah, you're probably he's probably close to sixty. We have so. Billy Robinson is in this match, which he is great. You know, like Billy Robinson and Vern Gagne have a really good, interesting. I like, I like the way they did their um, feud. Do, do you know how they did it? The Billy Robinson and Vern Gagne. They made a movie uh, about it. Yeah. They made a movie called really? The Wrestler about it, and then in that movie, um, really, yeah, Billy Robinson challenged Vern to a match, and that's how they started their feud in the movie. I was like, that is that is super creative. I loved it. So, so that's a movie that I've always wanted to see. Yeah, the wrestler. I did not know that uh, that information about it. But the the thing I know about the movie is that that's where Larry Zabisco got his name. Yes, from a character in that movie. There's a Zabisco character in that movie, and that's where he got his name. Yes. So we also have Tito Santana, Super Destroyer, Mad Dog Vashon, and Jerry Valiant. And of course, it was won by Jerry Blackwell. Right. So. Why, you can't believe our boy Jerry Blackfield won? No, no, I can. So I just discovered something that has blown my mind, and we may have to, Paul, we may have to like edit this part out. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm looking at this card. Yeah. So this, this, this person, Steve Regal, is not the person we're thinking of. Oh, okay. Interesting. Is it something like completely different? Like, it's completely different. Like I've completely blown my fucking mind because when I looked up Steve Regal, yeah, it said Steve Regal is seventy-one years old, and I'm like, there's no fucking way he's that old. Yeah. Um, but there's another wrestler named Steve Regal who was born in 1951, so he was like, you know, 29 years old when this show happened. Um, and he's a completely different wrestler than the person we're thinking of. Interesting. Like. Well, my mind is completely blown. Well, I know Steven Regal's real name is also isn't not British. Steve. Yeah, I know Steven Regal's real name is not Steven Regal, the one that we're talking about. Right. Yeah. So maybe this guy is legit and his name is Steven Regal. Yeah, I mean, his legit name is Steve Regal, but it's it's just a different wrestler altogether, apparently. So, uh, well, that's cool. Wow. Totally. So we all learned something together. We all learned go, something brother. live on the Retro Blood. See what happens right, right when you're in the Retro Blood? You know what yeah, I mean? See how you great learn, this you, is. You yeah. Learn, yeah, we're talking about school and shit. There you go, everybody. You learned yeah. something. 
All right. Exactly. We all learn. We yeah. all learn something today. Now you can wait around for the phone call, brother, to get that prom date. <laughs> all right. Like all these fucking guys. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta ask you. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. that but I can't wait. I can't we'll, wait we'll to get this. there. But yeah, that's the car. You know, AWA, very good show. Um, like I said, like I love talking about the AWA because this promotion actually was really fun. Like they had great characters. They had. Just a lot of pioneer stuff happened in the AWA, especially during its heyday. You know, it, it did fall off like hard. Like that thing went straight down the toilet. Okay. But during its heyday and stuff, and this is like around there, like it was a great promotion with great wrestlers and they built a lot of new, they, they created a ton of stars, which yes, is, which yes. is great, you know, to have that legacy of creating so many stars. So, but Allison, what are we going to be listening to while on our way to the movie theater, seeing some more Jamie Lee Curtis and all her glory? What are you going to be listening oh, to yeah. in the Trans Am, brother? Way more Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, so <clears throat> I wanted to bring this up because it didn't come out exactly on the release day. It came out a few days later. Um, but I, But I don't know if we'll get a chance to talk about this again. So I wanted to bring up one of the came what came out this week was one of the best most important albums of all time and what i can only be talking about one thing and what i'm talking about is acdc's back in black and we've talked about acdc on the show before but we've never talked about this album in detail and it's just it came out july 25th 1980 and it was just an just a really important it, it's a really important record for music in general, but especially for hard rock and heavy metal. And this is like the album that everybody's heard all the songs from. Like if you've heard an ACDC song, it's probably on this album. Um, it has all the songs. It has Shoot the Thrill. It has You Shut Me On Not Long. It has Hell's Bells. It has Back in Black. It has all the songs, right? Um, so what, what, are your, what is your uh, history with this album? Like, I mean, I'm sure you've heard half the songs on it, yes. if not all of them, but... What's your what's your history behind this okay. with this album? So you know, obviously, when you first listen to ACDC, this is probably the album that yeah. comes to mind. This is what you hear, yeah. Yes. Now, the couple of things I remember about it was was it the TNT Dynamite? Is that on this one? No, uh, no it is not on this album. Okay. So, I guess I don't have too many memories of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> actually, you know, like the thing is, like. With ACD, I, I, I know them and I respect them, but I never really was like an avid listener to ACDC. Yeah, but I yeah, do know that yeah. this album was very popular and I do know it was very, you know, when it comes to that style of rock and roll music, this is like one of the most pioneer albums that they have. Uh, but, you know, me personally, I never really like invested too, too much time into ACDC. I mean, unless, you know, when sure. we heard it on SmackDown all the time. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, they used ACDC for SmackDown, which was kind of cool. Oh. But yeah, I mean, this album, like, to me, was very, like, seminal in my growing up. Like, like I've told this story before, but I'll always tell it again. Is like, when I was growing up, when I was a little kid, like, most of the music that I heard was, like, my older cousin's music. Because my cousins were, like, 10 years older than me. So, and this was, like, an album that they played a lot. So, ACDC, Back in Black, played over and over and over and over and over and over every time when I was in a car with them. So, I heard all of these songs all the time, and I love this album. To this day, I love this album. I have it on vinyl. I have it on cassette. I have it on CD. I have, like, three or four different versions of this. 
Um, but it's it's got an interesting history because it's one of the top selling albums of all time. Um, it's the in fact it's the fourth best selling album ever in the United States. ACDC Back in Black. Interesting. Um, and it's the and it's the only album in the top of the top sellers to never make it to number one on the on the charts, which I think is also interesting. But you know, I think that a lot of that. That is because it just it just keeps selling for years and years. I mean, like they used it in Iron Man. You know, I, basically they used the soundtrack. They used this album as the soundtrack to Iron Man, um, which got a lot of people back into them. But this is a really interesting album because, as you may or may not know, ACDC started with a different lead singer. So they had this guy named Bon Scott, who's one of the greatest rock and roll singers of all time. Like, if I had to like... You know, if, if aliens came from another planet and said, hey, what does rock and roll sound like? I would, would play them Bon Scott era ACDC because that, that's what rock and roll is to me. Um, and Bon Scott was just such a figure, right? He was just such a he's like he's like Lemmy of Motorhead. He's just such a like figurehead for this band. And then in February of 1980, he he died. Wow. So he. They were about to record their new album, which Back in Black was the next album, but they had just put out Highway to Hell, and they'd done the tour for Highway to Hell, which Highway to Hell is a classic album as well, one of the best albums of all time. And they had put that out, and, and Bond, Bond was, in, was in London, and he was at a pub with some people and drinking too much, and it was wintertime, it was February, and he decided to sleep in 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 a friend of his car in the backseat of his friend's car and then the next morning like he was discovered dead in the car and there and they were saying like the cause of death is basically like he you know it's it's the whole Jimi hendrix thing right like he threw up on he threw up in the in the middle of the night and choked on his vomit um but that was february of 1980 and this album came out in July of 1980, and they started recording it in May of 1980. So basically, Bon Scott had only been dead for you know four months when they started when they got a new singer and started recording this album. But uh, you know they got Brian Johnson, who's who's in ACDC to this day, and um, you know wrote wrote these songs and they wrote this classic album as kind of like a tribute to to Bon Scott. Really, that's why the cover's black with yeah. it's like a tribute to it's a mourning for for their singer um but yeah i mean this is this is an amazing album i mean it's just it's 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 one of those perfect albums like every song on it is perfect every song on it is great like you don't have to skip anything there's no shitty songs on this record um it's really strange that coming out of such a tragedy of losing their figurehead that they would find someone who could take over yeah, and then record an album this good that quickly. Yeah. It's just it's really amazing. Yeah, that is pretty. That's a that's a quick turnaround too. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty wild, you know. And of course, you know, we'll play a track after this podcast, brother. Absolutely. So, but yeah, I mean, definitely one of the biggest um, bands in history. I mean, and just the energy they bring and everything, like they are definitely, you know, one of the uh, one of the pioneers. Yes. Yeah, even yeah. Yeah, live shows like they have an incredible live show. Like I mean, you know, Angus Young is like in his 60s at least. He's probably got to go be going on 70 at this point. 
And I mean, like every live show is just 100%, like 100% rock and roll. It's just so, it's, it's amazing. ACDC is absolutely amazing. Yes. But we'll be playing some of that at the end of the show, brother. Get our rock on. Speaking of getting rock our on. rock on, brother, let's talk about who booked this shit, brother. Yeah, tell me who booked this shit. Oh, boy. I can't even. <laughs> There's a lot of shit that booked this thing. I don't know who. There was a lot Why? of shit booked in this, I can tell you that. So the director was Paul Lynch, all right? Mm-hmm. And this guy is from Liverpool. Yeah. Okay, and he is known for doing, obviously, The Prom Night. And mm-hmm. he's done a couple of stuff. Like before this, he did a movie called Harp, The Hard Part Begins and Blood and Guts. All right. Um, so, you know, he did this, the, the prom night one. And he, he made a couple of uh, television. He did a couple of television films as well, too. Like Teenage Marriage in the 60s. Uh, really yeah. weird tales and stuff. So, um, you know. Here and their stuff. He did. Uh, he did. He did uh, the Twilight Zone. He did like the 1985 Twilight Zone series as well too. Uh, apparently, he he directed a Star Trek episode, the Next Generation. Which series? For Next Generation. Yeah. Okay. He did episodes the First Duty, uh, one zero one one zero zero one zero zero one, The Naked Now. Oh yeah. So he he did you know. This, looks like he also did Deep Space Nine, okay. Mm-hmm. So he's not a bad director. You know, this guy is good. No, now, no, no. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm. I mean, I'm. A, you know, as, as a lot of people that know me know, I, I am a Star Trek aficionado. Nice. And yeah, I, I know all of those those episodes. So it's kind of cool that he directed those. Yeah. One thing that I know him from the reason that I know him as a director is because he made this movie called Bullies. Which maybe we'll talk about. It's not really a horror movie, but we may do it for some reason. But it's it's got Olivia Diabo in it and um, a couple of other people. But it's this movie called Bullies. That's uh, that's a really good. It's like a it's like you know your small town rednecks trying to beat up the people from outside town kind of movie. Gotcha. Um, but it's a movie that I really liked a lot. But he directed that as well. Yes. So you know he has some good work under his belt, and I actually thought the the look. And the pacing of this film was pretty good, you know, for what it, yes. for the time frame that it was in. I thought the guy, especially the, my two favorite shots, were when our boy Slick was trying to pick up Jude. Mm-hmm. That was like straight out of Halloween. The yeah. way they filmed that, and the whole choreographed scene of them dancing at the disco prom ball, like very, very, really well shot. Uh, some of the killer scenes, eh, they're okay, but. You know, they did his duty. But uh, a couple of things. So, obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis is in this, which we talked about her many times here on the Retro Blood. Uh, You can find Mm -hmm. her on the archives. We did Halloween, which is obviously the Uh biggest film that she's known for. Yeah, Uh, Terror Train. We did Terror Train, which actually came out after this movie. Yeah. And, you know, know what's crazy? Like, we talked about this on Terror, Terror Train earlier this year. This is, like, her year. Like, she made... She basically made... You know, after Halloween, she did The Fog. Then she did this yeah. movie, and then she did Terror Train, and then the next year, that's when she did with Halloween too. So she basically she was getting a big name for herself, obviously as a one of the original screen queens at this time. Yes, exactly. So, absolutely. Now the the Prom Night movie and the Terror Trains didn't get the best reviews. You know what I mean? No. But no. you know, you know what did? 
<laughs> you know, but I mean, because they're they're no Halloween, right? I yeah, mean, exactly. Halloween is masked. Yes, but I mean these movies. I mean, Terror Train's pretty good, and so is yeah. this movie. This movie's not bad. They're 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 actually like a little similar on certain aspects of the film. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like she was definitely playing a role, and then she was like n- sticking to that role. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but you know, let's talk a little bit about the movie itself. So, Prom Night it was filmed in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, mm-hmm. brother. All right. Yes. Fucking uh, the hearts. You know, what, what do you think? Do you think Bret Hart tried to be in this movie? Uh, huh? Something tells me he did not. But then uh, he, Toronto is not really not really near Calgary. Yes, that's true. I was about to say like maybe Toronto, maybe like the, this would have been like uh, Edge and Christian. Would have been more like Toronto. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, because Toronto is like the New York City of uh, Canada. Kind of true. So it was filmed in late uh, 1979 on a budget of 1.5 million. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was kind of like a, it was like distributed by uh, Astro Films in Canada and AVC Co. Ambassador Pictures in the United States. The film, you know, was released on July 18, 1980 in Selects Cinemas. Oh, only a couple ones. Yes. Yeah, this is uh, another um, tax shelter movie. We've talked about these before with, uh, 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 can't remember what movie it was. One of those frozen movies from uh or hotel movies from February of last year. If you want to check those out in the archives, one of those was a uh was a tax shelter movie. So basically for people who haven't been following us that long. So um in Canada during this time, late 70s, early 80s, they they had these um they 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 were they wanted to bring filmmaking to Canada. So they would give people tax incentives to come there. So basically, you would get Canadian tax money to come there and film your movie. And a lot of productions did that because it made their movies cheaper to make. So you could get, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars to come to Canada and make your movie. And you could just write it off your taxes basically at the end of the year. So this was uh, uh, The Changeling is a really famous tax shelter movie. uh, But this is also a tax shelter movie. So this this was made in Canada, so because basically they could take Canadian tax money and make uh, and and use it as part of the budget. Oh yeah, and the the film's theatrical release platform was expanded to major U.S. cities such as Los Angeles and California and New York City. In New York, mm-hmm. in August, where the film was again met with highly box office receipts, at the time the film was AVCO Embassy's most financial successful release. Breaking weekend records in Los Angeles, Philadelphia, and New England. So overall, on the on the on the budget or with the movie, mm-hmm. the budget was one point five million, but the movie made about fifteen million in the United States. Yeah, which is I think is a great that's a great turnaround, right? Yeah. I mean that's that's a good profit, and it makes sense because you know like like you were saying, you know Halloween was obviously the, the huge hit, even even for its time. Yeah. You know, obviously it's you know nowadays you know Halloween is a big solid franchise, but you know. Mm-hmm. During this 1980 period, you know, Halloween is like gained a lot of buzz, you know, and of course, you know, not only that, but John Carpenter's gained a lot of buzz too with like his Fog movie, the Fog movie that you know yeah, on there too. Yeah. So you know, right. people were they 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 were coming around to the slashers, like you know what I mean? Like this is kind of like the the early development of what would be the slasher craze. Oh yeah, I mean, well, they didn't yeah. really exist yet, right? Yeah. Like until Halloween. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there's somebody out there who would bring up one before that, but basically, time, yes. Hallow- yeah, Halloween invented the slasher film. 
well, as we know. It. I don't know. Yeah, it did, but so I think what it did was it made it like popular in the culture. You know what I mean? In yeah, American that's culture, true. right? Because there was like, you know, like, like they they weren't called slashers, but that's what they right. were films. You yeah. know that were pretty. I mean, kind of. Yeah, pretty popular in the seventies and stuff, but it really didn't get like popularized when it comes to like, you know, kids or like you know young adults and having young adults problems and having young adults uh, portrayed on screens. You know what I mean? Like, I think what Halloween did was it pretty much in America it kind of showed like the young adults on screen of, of of true young adults, not like these you know like this like made up ones like true to true to nature young adults and i think a lot of like companies saw that and they're like okay i want how can i make something that's like has young adults so young adults will come see them and we got to keep their their characters very real to the times and hey why don't we just slap on a fucking like what a kid oh they go to prom yeah let's make one about prom brother you know let's make one about april fool's well, brother so <laughs> yeah but i mean like that's the kind of part that they pioneered though so, yeah, I mean, obviously there's been movies before that that you could consider slasher films, like Three on a Meat Hook from uh, 72, maybe. And then there's this movie called Drange that's based on Ed Gein um, that, that we would consider slashers. But, back, but before Halloween, those were like, like only degenerates went to see those. I mean, basically, like yeah. <laughs> if you went to see Three on a Meat Hook, you might as well just be, you know, saying, I'm going to go see a porn film film because it was it was basically looked at the same way halloween took that and brought it into the teenage world where kids would go you know teenage kids would go see these movies and then that that changed the way that we look at horror films to this day and in, in, in my opinion at least yes so a couple of those things about um prom now apparently it won a re uh, an award all right Really? Yes, but the the award was basically given to Jamie Lee Curtis. It was basically for her performance in this movie of being a very uh, uh, uh was it a foreign act, act actress in this movie? Oh right, because she's American. Yes, yeah. and okay. she's doing it in Canada, brother. It was mm -hmm. a Genie Award, so that's what she 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 got it for doing this film. Interesting. So apparently, like, there was an alternative cut of this film. Uh, it was popular. It was aired on American and Canadian television networks in 1981 as well, too. So you know, I don't know how much more you can cut from this film, <laughs> but it's probably just yeah. all the uh, the naked scenes. I'm guessing. Oh well, yeah, definitely the nudity because you know you got to have that. We've talked about that many times before. Like, yeah. I mean, you pretty much have to have a shower scene in every 1980s horror film. Oh yeah. Um and 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 we when we got one in this movie too, and then a couple more. Um, but yeah, they probably cut the nudity out and maybe some of the blood, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, like, you know, like you were saying, like, I don't really feel like the blood and or the gore in this is very gratuitous at all. There's not really not a lot of gore in it. To be yeah. Honest with you. It's very, it's, it's not mm -hmm. too much at all. So a little bit about the development. So the, uh, the director Paul Lynch developed prom night after a meeting with producer Erwin Yablos, who had previously produced Halloween. So there you go. There's your tie in. Mm -hmm. Lynch, yeah. uh, he had wanted to work on a horror film, and he initially pitched Don't Go See the Doctor, a film about a, a physician who murders his patients. 
Fuck. Why <laughs> was that made? Insane to me. Like, why was that not made? Right. The don't go see the doctor. So the, the plot line film. would be, okay, I got a cold. <laughs> well, don't go see the doctor. He'll kill your ass. <laughs> He'll kill you. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. So Irwin uh, instead suggested that Lynch utilize a holiday as a basis for the film. <laughs> Richard Dalton and Lynch decided to build the premise around the event of high school prom. Just imagine that I mean, writer's I just, room, brother. Yeah, like, I get to right. see him saying that. Like, yeah, remember, like we made, I made a million dollars off of this yeah. Halloween idea. Yeah, pick a pick a holiday and make a movie around that. Yeah, brother. That. That's, yeah, exactly. That's why everybody went to see that one. Yeah, that's a gimmick, brother. We call it Halloween. All right. <laughs> what do these kids like to do out there nowadays besides smoke uh, weed and piss on my lawn? <laughs> Well, I think they go to like prom and shit. Oh, that's perfect. Brother. Oh yeah, let's do a let's write do me prom a script. <laughs> it's like oh, wow. maybe, maybe this lunch guy was probably like, bro, come on now. Like, I got this doctor movie. All right, it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> all right, you know these kids—they're always sick all the time. They'll go to the doctor, and the doctor will kill them. I mean, what, what more do you need? <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> this, then this, this this guy was like, nah, not not enough drama. I need more drama. Go go see the doctor. What? Oh my god. <laughs> That'd be fucking great. So let's see. So writer Robert Gonzalez Jr., a University of Southern Carolina film student of whom Lynch was an acquaintance with, had written a story about a group of teenagers whose involvement in a tragic event has children came back to haunt them. Gaza Stories yeah. was then adapted and incorporated into the film as the central premise and motivation for the film's villain, which I actually like that right. part. Like, you know... That's a, you know, revenge tale are, you know, are always good for, for, for plot lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. Revenge stories are always great. And this one made sense. I would say it wasn't mm. too convoluted. I actually really, actually, I thought you could have gotten a little deeper into the actual revenge part of this film. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say that when we did the whole review of what my idea would have been, but mm. I, the actual like revenge plot line of this film had made to me, it made a pretty good sense you know ain't, ain't, yeah ain't, ain't no uh, wrestling booking over here brother uh-huh. yeah but what you're saying now makes sense because like to me one thing i was gonna was gonna say is like this this movie seemed like like two scripts put together yeah like they kind of took like they had this idea for this one movie so like basically like the horror movie aspect of this takes place in the last like 20 or 30 minutes of the movie. And then the other script was like the first like hour and 10 minutes. It was almost like they just took those two things and put them together to make one story. And and what you're saying. So like from that, what you're saying makes perfect sense now. Yes. So I thought this part is a little interesting. So apparently mm-hmm. Lynch stated that he was having difficulty securing financing for the film until Jamie Lee Curtis signed on to the project, she received a salary of thirty thousand dollars, equivalent wow. e- equivalent to ninety eight thousand dollars in twenty twenty one. Right, so, which is still probably not a lot for a movie even today, but yeah, or but definitely not. That's her. Yeah, that's the movie. She, it's, it's not too bad. I mean, it's a pretty good salary for doing a movie. I mean, yeah, she, she I mean, barely yeah. even did anything. In the freak. Well, I mean, she did well, a little bit. Right. I mean, for for a for a role. Not a role, but like an actress of her famousness at the time. That's 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 probably pretty good. I would say that's probably pretty good. You know, ninety eight thousand dollars for for someone who's. I mean, you got to consider she's not. She wasn't the Jamie Lee Curtis of today. You know, she wasn't famous yet, but she was. 
known for these horror film roles that were popular, were uh, successful. Check out this one. Like Halloween. So according to producer of Prom Night, Eve Plum from television's The Brandy Brunch originally auditioned to play the role of Kim Hammond, which is also the one that went to Mm -hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis was Kim, but was passed over after Jamie Lee Curtis' manager contacted Paul Lynch about her starring in the film. She got... So our our girl fucking from the Brady Grunge got big lead over there. Of course. Of course. I mean, why would you pick Jan Brady over Jamie Lee Curtis? Like, that's like a no- What the hell's wrong with Jan Brady? Well, she's no Jamie Lee Curtis. She could have done. She could have done what Jamie Lee Curtis did in this film, like dance and <sighs> no, shit. No, no. There's some no. disco dancing, brother. I mean, it, whether she could dance or not is irrelevant to the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis is superior in every way to Jan Brady. I'll give you that. What's her <laughs> name? Eve Plum. Yeah. yeah Eve Plum. No. Yeah. No. J- Jamie Lee Curtis. I am Team Jamie Lee Curtis, 100 percent of the way. So you know, obviously, Lynch, I guess he- you, you can be. You can be Team Eve Plum if you want to. There you go. So obviously Lynch, he was very excited about getting uh, Curtis on there. But who? I mean, how? You know, you have a horror film. This girl's like the hottest person in the horror film. Of course, she would be. Yes, absolutely. So he was definitely excited about that. Um, So after auditioning for Producer Simpson, which included a dance audition for the film's dance numbers, Curtis was officially cast in the role. Lynch recalled, for whatever reason, Peter Simpson made her jump through hoops. But she wanted it, and she got it. According to Curtis, Prom yeah. Night was the first project in which she made made any real money, brother. She sounds like a pro wrestler <laughs> here, bro. That was deli. This is where I made. This is where I made real money, brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so like, this is where I actually start making some money, brother. It's like she got signed yeah. or some shit. She got she yeah. got into that gimmick or she got into that angle and she made yeah. some real money that way. So. Uh, we have a couple other things. Uh, Lisa Nielsen, established film and television actor, was cast as Kim Hiron's father. You know, that's that's what you're mm-hmm. saying. Uh, <laughs> the guy, yeah, from from Naked Gun was in this. Uh, yeah. This is, you know, we were saying it's one of his serious roles too, which is like I think crazy. it's one of his last ones. Yeah, yeah pretty much. So yeah, he pretty much it, it was. I think this is one of his. Yeah, like you're saying, this is one of pretty much one of his last roles. That he had as just a serious actor, and mm. has a man who who has a young man went to go see Naked Gun movies as a young mm. kid. Like I, that's the only thing I ever knew from. Like we were saying, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the only thing I know from him. Um, there is a really funny kind of thing when he was on Saturday Night Live, um, doing his monologue. There's a really cool thing where he talks about the difference between doing drama films and doing comedic films. And um, he explains it way better than I ever would, but he talks about how, um, when, um, in a, in a, you know, if I'm doing it, he says like a line from a movie and he's like, if I'm doing a line in a, a movie and I'm doing it as a drama, I would say it this way. And he says the line and then like, and it's just like a normal line, like nobody reacts or anything. And then he's like, but if I were doing it in a comedy, I would say it this way. And he says it completely different, mm-hmm. but the same line, but completely different. And it's funny. And it's yeah. it's just amazing. Like, like the things that real actors can do yeah. is just amazing. To oh, me. he's great. That's for sure. So just a little bit of things before you get into the full review. So Prom Night was also filmed over 24 days in Toronto, like we're saying. Principal photography began August 13th, 1979 and completed on September 13th, 1979. And apparently the majority of the crew were graduates 
from a from a film school in Canada, the Don Mills yeah. Collective Institute served as the main mm-hmm. school location, while the Langstaff Jail Farm in Richmond Hill was used for the abandoned building featured promptly in the beginning of the film and throughout. So mm-hmm. we have a couple of cool locations over there. So we're getting it going over here. Uh, producer Peter Simpson Peter Simpson had this guy named Zaza wrote a series of original disco songs over a five-day period, which closely copied the original tracks that were intended to be used in the film. This yes. resulted in a copyright lawsuit for $10 million, which was equivalent, uh, settled to 50000 All right. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about this, because, yeah. like, Paul Zaza is um, an amazing like writer like he's his his music is absolutely amazing like yeah. i like a lot of the soundtracks he did black movies that he's made he did black christmas he did ghost keeper which is actually that movie i was thinking of that was a tax shelter movie he did ghost keeper he did my bloody valentine he did porkies um he's done he did a christmas story um he's done a bunch of really 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 good soundtracks he's amazing um but yeah so apparently <laughs> Originally, they were going to use co- current disco songs yes. from the time, which um, I did not know that disco was still popular in 1980, but I guess it was. But um, well, proms it was. I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously, from this movie, from seeing this movie, it definitely was. Um, but um, they were going to use current, like, disco, popular disco songs from the time, and they filmed the scenes with those songs playing. But then they realized that we can't afford the rights to these songs, so they had Paul Zaza rewrite the songs or, or write disco songs that fit the same beat as the songs that they used. Um, and those songs are really good. Like, I yeah. mean, I mean, I'm not I a disco fan by any means, but I mean, those songs are really freaking good, though. Yeah, um, I think he did a good job with that. But apparently, they got sued anyway because they were too similar to the songs that they ripped off. Yep. Which so, is sad because so those you, are those are really good disco tunes. They so got one little beat, brother. I want my money. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Speaking of wanting our money, let's get into it, everybody. Let's, let's get into the full review of the prom, full review of prom night. There's a special night in the lives of all of us—a night to be beautiful, to be desirable, a night we can break all the rules and make our own prom night. Everyone at Hamilton High is getting ready for prom night. It's a day of rehearsals, arrangements, final preparations, and last minute phone calls. Too old for games, but someone still wants to play. Why? Kelly. It's been a long time. Tonight, it's my turn. Tonight, someone has come to the prom alone. Someone who watches in the silent corridors. Someone who waits until no one can.
can help. Prom night. If you're not back by midnight, you won't be coming home. So, we start off the movie at some abandoned building with like these kids like singing these lullabies about killers. Yeah. At first I was like, okay, yes. did I put on the right movie? Is this supposed to be, you know, uh, 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 Freddy? You know, Nightmare on Elm Street or something shit? But I was like, okay, we'll see what happens. So, let me let me ask you a question here, Allison. Okay, I got a couple. Yeah, okay. I, got a, I, got a, I got a question. So this... I got some cool this, questions for you too, but anyway. So we're in an abandoned building. Okay, mm-hmm. we had these kids. It's the 70s. Okay. Yeah. It was like 74. Yeah, 1974, yes. So these kids are playing a game. They're not playing hide and seek. They're playing the killer is coming to kill you. <laughs> so Yeah, I was I was going to be what I was going to bring up. Okay, hold, hold hold the phone here. Wait a hold minute. Hold the fucking phone. So, you're telling me that my parents era, okay? <laughs> They don't. They didn't play hide. No, we're we're. They're too crazy for hide and seek, brother. They gotta play the killers come coming to kill you, yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah. Hide and seek's too fucking weak at this yeah. point, right? Like, no, yeah. no, we're not playing that. We're playing the killer is coming to kill you. Like these kids were serious about it too. It like, brother, if I find you, I'm gonna kill your ass. I'm like, fuck. Okay, shit. What is going on here? And it's basically just hide and seek. I was like, I never heard about. I never heard this at all. Like, where did this come from? Okay. So I was okay. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. So one of the person's name is Wendy. She is the one mm-hmm. who's doing like the, uh, she's like the the person who catches you during the hide and seek yeah. process. The, the killer. The yeah. killer. Yeah. She's the killer that's coming to kill you and she's going <laughs> to chop off your head and shit. I was like, where the, f- damn kids, man. You guys are crazy. You can't get over that shit. It's so, uh, it's so fucking dark, right? And they kept saying the killer's coming to kill you. Killer's coming to kill you. I was like, all right, shit. I love it. I love it. It's fantastic. So now we have like more little kids outside, and this is like yeah. like Kim at a young age, yeah. uh, with like her with like, I guess one of them was her brother, and uh, the other one was like a Judy, I believe. And uh-huh. they see they see uh, Nick on the outside the uh, the building. All right, and uh, they go they go they go up on their way. But um, the the lady, um, well, the kid, uh, uh, Ruben, mm-hmm. all right, she stays behind because she wants to see what uh, what Nick is doing. Like, what are these kids doing? So, yeah. So it was the the family. We had, um, you know, Kim, and then we had Alex there, and then we had. Uh, I believe we're Ruben. Hold on one second. Yes. It was Ruben. So Ruben notices Nick's on there. So uh, uh, Kim and Alex, they leave. And they're all young. And then she goes inside the abandoned building. And you know, we can hear like, you know, kids still doing this. Like, hey, you're going to kill you. You're going to kill you and stuff. We're hiding. Uh, Wendy starts finding some kids. So she starts finding them. And then apparently Ruben, she runs into Nick. And I guess while she runs into into Nick, she made like a little noise. So Nick's all pissed off. He's like, oh, fuck, I got caught. All right. It's like, this is life and death. Didn't you hear it? 
So Wendy right. comes and finds them and stuff, and they pretty much all all the 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 kids that are playing this game now surround uh, the Reuben girl, and they keep saying like, you know, killer's gonna kill you, killer's gonna kill you, killer is gonna kill you. All right, they keep doing it. They swarm her and everything. They're surrounding her. The killer, the killers are coming. The killers are coming. Uh, they taunt her a bunch. She eventually gives up, kind of like on top of the. Um, on top of the building kind of near the window and she fucking falls down brother out of the window smashes on some glass yeah because there's absolutely no safer place for children to play than an abandoned building well yeah i mean fuck what else are you gonna do brother all right 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 you got no tv in the 70s brother where you go out there you play killer games (laughs) no tv there was there was no tv yeah uh there was no tv in the 70s at all no yeah that didn't that didn't come around until the 80s (laughs) All right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, what am I to say? Like when I was like, you know, as a kid, like we, we, uh, I remember like, this is crazy to think about now. Like I remember being a little kid and like, there's this abandoned grain silo near where I live. And I would go out there by myself and climb to the top of this grain silo. And, you know, I was probably like eight years, eight or nine years old, 10 years old. And this thing's like, you know, 50 feet tall. Like I climbed up this ladder to the top of this grain silo by myself, and if I had fallen, I would have surely died. But you know, I guess back then people didn't really uh, super supervise kids as much as they do now. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so uh, we're playing. uh, The killer's gonna kill you in an abandoned building, and somebody falls out a window. Yep, that's right. She falls down. (laughs) All the kids look at each other. One of them starts to cry. Yeah, like they're basically next one. Are you there? Oh, I'm here, yeah. Okay. So Nick's there and he's all like, Oh shit, we gotta call the police and this girl Wendy She's like she's like, No, nah, you can't be doing that. Like they're they're gonna like fucking uh you know, take us away. Like we all need to like <laughs> say nothing, like just pretend like it's an accident. They're all like, What the fuck? He's like, Yeah, they're all gonna interrogate us and shit. I, you know, it's not gonna happen. So Let's Wendy just pretend like everything's okay. Yeah. So Wendy's like, okay, I need you all to swear that we will never tell anybody what happened here, and we're all just gonna leave. And then she names everybody. All right, Jude, do you swear? Yes, I do. Kelly, do you swear? Yes. Nick, it's like yes, yes, I swear. It said we never swear to tell anybody, and they all just like leave her. And then we see really quick yep. a shadow over the body of the Reuben. So now we have this. Uh, uh, I, I appreciate. I'm yeah. Then the next scene is basically the Mr. Hammond, okay, mm-hmm. which is played by Nielsen. Okay, he is in there and he's looking around, and he's like, okay, I think I know who this might be. I think this might be that sexual. Uh, this you know he was basically saying like this is like the sexual attack, okay, and mm-hmm. he, he's kind of mm-hmm. like you know he's convinced that it it's like this like I guess they have like a known sexual offender in the neighborhood that had like a little bit oh, of a yeah. rap. So he's pretty yeah. much placing the blame on this happening. Um, and he thinks he knows who, you know, the, the person is like, you know, so the mom shows up and with the, with the other kids, like Kim and Alex and everything, and they're all upset, obviously. And, uh, you know, like he, Mr. Hammond, he didn't want to show, you know, um, the mom what was happening. Um, so now, mm-hmm. now we cut to a scene where it's uh, the Reuben's grave. All right, uh, Reuben Anna Hamel, and it's six years later. And apparently, so this actually happened. 
so she was born 1964 to 1974. That was the set on the grave. So that's when all that stuff happened. Basically, 74. So now, now we know that we're in the 80s now. Because it's... So it's six years later. Uh, right, they all, exactly. They all put flowers on her grave. All the family, they look at each other and everything. Obviously, everybody's a little older now. Uh, we're, we're back at the house. The mom is upset. You know, you know obviously about her her dead, uh, her dead daughter. Um you know, they have a bunch of pictures around of her and everything. And then we, we cut to a scene where we see Kim and Alex. They're talking a little bit about the prom, brother. So the prom's coming up. And Kim's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, does this girl ask you to the prom yet and everything? And he's kind of blowing it off. I was like, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to be even going to the prom or not. Um, but he did say, like, hey, you know, I am in charge of the sound system at the prom. And we also find out that Kim... She is going to be the prom queen. And the prom king mm-hmm. is going to be our boy Nick. From the uh from the from, from the beginning where he had to swear not to tell what happened. Yeah. So we're get, we're building up some stuff. So the they've all, you know, obviously their secret has lasted this long, 6 years. So Yeah, they've done pretty good, right? Yes. So after they talk about this, uh, we see uh, this old school phone, and it's Colin. <laughs> all right, and it's basically yeah. like a creepy voice guy, and he's all like, "He's calling Jude." That's the first one he calls. Yeah. He's all like, "Hey, Jude, can you come out to play tonight?" And she's like, "Yeah, whatever." You know, she just blows it off and stuff. She's like, "I'll see you at the prom." And then she blows off the call, the call and everything. She walks. And then this is when Jude... So, so this whole scene was basically... It kind of reminded me of two movies in one. It reminded me of New Year's Evil because of that phone call. Yeah. yeah. And then the next scene where we see Jude walk outside. Like this was shot just like Halloween. Where they did that like... Oh, yeah. The scenery shot. And you see her like slowly coming in on, on screen. And then we have the car driving like right up next to her i was like okay that's totally from halloween so the guy that we meet uh that's talking to jude right now uh he's mm. in like a uh, a van okay like his his is uh his pleasure machine van yes, this guy's right. gonna yeah this guy's gonna be known as seymour slick crane mm. so we're gonna be just calling him slick the whole time in this show brother and this guy has some. Like, this guy had some good moves, man. He's all like, "Hey, you know, how's it going?" It's like he introduces himself, like, "Yeah, my name is Slick. This is my love machine and everything." It's all, and, and she's like, "Oh, I bet you stop for all the girls." He's like, "I only stop for all the pretty ones." And he's like, "Oh, okay." He's like, "I can get you a ride." And she's like, "Oh." He's like, "I'm not doing anything in there. You know, you would have to drive me straight to school." And he's like, "Yeah, I'll drive you straight to school, no problem." So at first you don't even know what's going going on over here, but then we find out later that Jude was all liking this dude, this nerdy looking guy. So now she has a date to the prom, brother. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yes. So we're we're building it up over here. Yes, we're so, getting there. So now Kelly, she is getting a creepy call. Okay. Um, she's getting the creepy call, same voice as the one that Jude got, except he says a little bit of stuff a little different. He's like, calls is like, long time. Tonight's my turn. And then the doorbell rings. She gets a little nervous. 
But then we find out that she has a prom date, and her prom date is going to be known as Drew. And the big thing about Drew and Kelly is Drew wants to smash that piss, but Kelly doesn't <laughs> want to give over the piss. <laughs> All right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Kelly's got reasoning for that, right? I mean, I, I guess. What was the reasoning? She's just like a virgin. Yeah, yeah she well, doesn't well, want to give it up, brother. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. work for it. I'm sure it's not a big deal, right? I don't know. Yeah. But Drew, that's anyway, his, that is yeah, his lone character in this movie. Is his yeah. goal in this movie is to smash some puss. That's his, that's yeah. his main yeah, that's goal. That's true. That's that's true. So, and then uh, she acts like you know, how do you get in? Everything he said, the back door is open. Oh, okay, I see how it is. The back door is <laughs> oh, always okay. fucking open. Uh-huh. <laughs> so after all this, um, you know, they're they're. She, Kelly was a little freaked out by the heavy voices and stuff. And this is when you could tell Drew is always like, oh, the heavy voices turn you on. I was like, bro, you're just fishing out there. <laughs> you're just doing whatever you can. Right, right, um, right. So now we see... So now we see Nick and his dad. Okay, so Nick is like getting ready for the, uh, you know, for school and everything. He has their phone rings. He just doesn't even answer it. All right. <laughs> It's like, fuck it, I don't want to answer that thing. And then, like, so basically, Nick, he also thinks, like, oh, yeah, don't don't worry about it. It's probably Wendy. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, Wendy, we, we were dating and stuff, but, like, I, I, you know, I kind of blew it off with her. So she's probably just calling me to get me back, brother. The dad's like, right, right. oh, I wish I had your women problems. Because, you know, <laughs> Nick, Nick the playboy, okay, apparently, he has Kim wanting him. And he has Wendy wanting him. And yeah, I was yeah, looking yeah. at this guy. I was like, this fucking nerd? Fuck. I'd have been like yeah, the I fucking... Yeah, the same thing, but I, I mean, would... who knows? Maybe that maybe that was like what was hot in like 1979 or whatever. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, we're in the 80s in this one. Remember, they're six years later. This guy... Right. Well, right. We're 1980 now, but this guy yeah. looked like... Uh, 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 what's that guy from Saturday Night Live? Sam, Sam, Sam Berg? Sam Borg? Yeah. The guy that was in... Uh, Broken nine eleven. Yeah, he looks like that guy. Well, he also like, kind of looked like the guy. Uh, I I I didn't even see the show like fully, but um, Beth watches it. Um, it has the oh fuck, I can't even. I can't bet I just totally blanked on the name. But the guy, he's on a new show in Hulu where he's like a cook. But he was in like um this this show. Oh that's, yeah 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 yeah. Shameless. Yeah, he, he was in like Shameless. That guy too, kind of. You yeah, know what I'm talking about, right? Shameless. He kind of looks like that. Yeah, the drug you know, I guy. I think a lot of people think he's hot. I don't know. There you go, brother. Maybe, 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 uh, maybe, Nick maybe guy. we're wrong. Yeah, you know, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're just not the best choices for like what hot guys. That's are. That's true, bro. Because I was like, okay, this Lou guy, he looked pretty cool. But anyway, yeah, because I mean, we can, you know, the only thing we have to go by for hot guys is we can only judge it based on ourselves, right? Yeah, there you go. And uh, of course, um, um, Tom Enkins. I mean, come on, who's hotter than the '80s than not Tom Enkins? Nobody. So. So that's so he all leaves and stuff, and he's going back to school and everything. But the the phone keeps ringing and ringing and ringing. He doesn't even pick it up. Okay, so now like after all this happens, we see Kim kind of walking up a little bit, and now we just get a bunch of like yeah. flashbacks, like quick, quick flashbacks of what kind of like happened between the Ruben girl dying and then why mm-hmm. they never really expected the kids to do it. So basically, what happened was after all this happened of her dying, the town and the the lieutenant. Uh, where he's a sergeant at the time, and this doctor guy. So as we had this like sergeant and doctor guy, we're kind of like working together. 
So the sergeant guy was going after the sex offender, but the sex offender was like scared. So like he yeah. tried to get out of town. So he flipped his car over. Okay. <laughs> and apparently he burnt. Like why he did that, he like caught on fire. Okay. So like now then they got him into the um the hospital and then this doctor was working on him and he was basically this guy after all this trauma stuff happened to this you know the sex offender guy he became a little insane okay so he's locked up for a while so that is the backstory so they pretty much blamed everything on this guy okay without like truly getting a confession for him but since he was so fucked up it was hard to get a a confession from from him Mm-hmm. So, so then during this, okay, the uh, the doc now visits the the sergeant again because it's supposed to be like you know nowadays, and the doc introduces, hey, what's up? You know, I'm I'm here. You know, why'd you call me in here, sergeant? He's like, I'm not sergeant anymore. I'm not a lieutenant. Okay, gotcha. So he's all like, hey, you're not the 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 crazy serial killer merch guy. That was his name. Merch was the was the fucking uh, killer guy. Mm-hmm. He escaped. From, t- t- tell me if you heard this one before, everybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have a crazy lunatic who supposedly killed this Ruben girl. And he's all mm-hmm. burnt to death. He's crazy now. Yep. He is, I heard he escaped from the hospital last night and he took some nurses with him. Yes. Sound familiar? Yeah. Sound familiar, brother? Okay. And let me guess, somebody had to teach him how to drive. Yes. Well, well at least with this guy, he's like pri- prior drive beforehand. But yes, he <laughs> teach him how to drive too. Okay. So the doc's like, you know, so basically the, the, the sergeant's like, hey, have you, have you seen this guy? You were his doctor. And the guy's like, listen, I haven't seen this fucker in like probably like two years. Okay. Like once this guy got transferred out of here, I didn't talk to him at all. And he's just saying, like, you know, what am I supposed to say about the guy? I don't have any insight. He's an insane lunatic. I was like, this guy ain't no fucking yeah. Loomis. All right, what kind of doctor are no, you, brother? Yeah, six times. Six times. Right. At least give me some insight of how evil this dude is. This guy was just like, yeah, he's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't fix him. I mean, I gave him, like, aspirin. I mean, what was I supposed to do? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fine. That fixed mental illness. <laughs> exactly. So, so, basically, he gets a call. Like the sergeant does during this time, and they found the body of the nurse, so they all go rush and go see where she's at. So we have some more calls and stuff, and then um, the calls are asking for Nick, and it's Wendy, and she's like, she still like to play a lot of games, and then Wendy. So now, now we're showing that Wendy is getting the call from the killer. All right, so she picks up the phone from the killer, and he's like saying. You know, like, I'm going to see you and stuff. And she basically just tells this person to get lost, like, quick. She thinks it's just somebody playing games. And then Wendy gets out of there, and, and uh, she dr- jumps into her cool-looking car. So if we remember, Wendy was pretty much the mastermind of of uh, hiding all the secrets. She convinced everybody to hide right. secrets now. And then she somehow transformed to the hottest girl in the movie. So, Yes. She's like the bad girl of the movie. Uh, yeah, I mean... I mean, you know, it's hard to argue that Jamie Lee Curtis is not the hottest girl in this movie. But, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis had that, like, girl next door look for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what she was known for. True. Um, so, now we have all the kids throughout school now. Okay. We have Drew. He's all there flirting with Kelly. Okay. 
uh, we have uh, Jude. She's saying that basically she has a date for the prom now. It's that nerd guy, Slick. <laughs> All right. Yeah. This is when we meet Lou, who basically looks like a ripoff of the Fonz or Rocky, whichever one you want to pick. He's like flirting with all the girls while smoking a cig inside the halls. A lot of smoking and yeah. cig in the halls in this movie, brother. So I wanted to bring that up too. Like, I wonder if that's like a thing that happened. I mean, I guess it was, but like, so did like, if you were over 18 and you were old enough to smoke in the 70s or very early 80s, did you just, were, were you able to smoke in the, in the school hallways? How the fuck am I? I Is mean, that like a thing that happened. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I'm just asking you what you what do you think? I mean, oh. like, does that? <laughs> I was like, how the fuck am I supposed to know? I was negative five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I was gonna say, does that sound reasonable? But no, it doesn't sound reasonable. Well, but, I mean, I'm wondering. So in real life, I don't think so. But in movies, yes, because we have fucking people smoking okay. in the doctor's office in these fucking movies. No, but, now that did happen. Yeah, that that is that that is true. Like like up until like the early eighties, at least people were smoking in hospitals. Yes, that that is true. But I don't know if like if high school students smoked in like the hallways or not. That's a tough one. I mean, I will say no, but then again, they were pretty relaxed during this period. So yeah, who knows? I mean, people were like they had different priorities then. Yeah, everybody smoked, right? It's just like a thing. Yeah, so while this is happening, they, the girls pretty much blow off Lou. And then Kim eventually runs into Nick, and then this is when Wendy is giving Nick a little smooch right in front of Kim. Mm-hmm. And apparently Kim is, like, she's, like, confident in her game. So she pretty much blows it off. Because, like, Nick's like, hey, like, she just came on to me. She's just kissing me and stuff. I broke it off with her. And she was like, whatever. And they laugh, and she just goes away, doesn't really care. So I'm like, okay. I see how it is. He must really like this Nick guy. So now we have the doctor and the lieutenant. They show up to that building, you know, the one that the Ruben, she died in that abandoned building. Um, they, they, they go up there and they see the dead nurse. We don't see what the the nurse looks like, but they imply that she was like mutilated, like killed, Mm -hmm. which I'm still, some of the plot line in this kind of like goes a little weird, but we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, so now doc, the doctor's trying to touch a lot of stuff and he's like, hey, don't be touching all this stuff. And they look towards the girl and everything. And then now we're back in the town. Um, so so basically during this after we're not back in the town, but like basically what, what they were what they were doing was the doc and lieutenant, the doc was like, listen, we can't really tell the town that there is a, 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 a crazy psychopathic killer on the loose okay yes because we don't know why he he's basically here for two things because he wants revenge against the police and he probably wants revenge against the whole town for blaming him for a murder that he supposedly didn't commit okay that's what we're kind of getting at over here and the doc kind of like says like let's just keep this quiet and we'll just keep looking for him and by the way, like it'd be pretty easy to find this guy because he's burned up like a crisp, so he can't just walk freely around everywhere. <laughs> okay, right? Because he's gonna stick out. Yes, and they'll just keep it quiet. All right. Sure. Uh, and then, like, then basically, Lieutenant's like, "Okay, I'm gonna find this guy by nightfall." That's like his goal. Mm-hmm. So now we have Kim. She's out to school right now, and she runs into her or her 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 rival, her her. Woman rival, Wendy. All right? Wendy. And then Wendy's all like, 
Are you practicing for your uh, for your walkout for the king and queen? You know, p- practice makes perfect. You know, all those '80s insults—they're not like really insults, mm-hmm. right? All right. And then she's like, "I know your Nick's gonna be the king, and you're gonna be the queen and stuff." All right. But then again, how far are you willing to go? She's basically talking about are you about to fuck this guy. All right. Yeah. Exactly. So, so she's all like, you know, I'll do what I gotta do. She's like, you know. She's like, Kim, her response is like, okay, yeah. So like, you know, I'm going to be with Nick and everything. We're the king and the queen and everything. Who are you going to the prom with? All right? Mm-hmm. And then Wendy's like, it doesn't matter who you go with the prom with. It's who takes you home at night. I was like, damn. Exactly. That's, that's what matters. That's what matters, matters, brother. That is the point of the prom, brother. That's what I've heard. I've never been to a prom, but that's what I've heard. Yeah, I was going to ask is, you that. that. Is, did you ever do the prom when you were... No. Uh, no, I was never the cool kids. I never went to the prom. You didn't, I'm well, sure you did, though. You could have been like our boy, guy. Slick. I, well, I, right, that's true. You just but, needed a uh, van. I could have been like Slick, I guess. Like, <laughs> Right, that's where I, that, I didn't have a van. That's, that was my downfall. That's why I never got to go to prom. So my but, prom uh, story I'm is... Sure you, you're like Lou, so I'm sure you went <laughs> to the prom, so... Well, yeah, I got kicked out of school, right? Yeah, we'll get there. But uh, so I actually did go to prom, but I didn't go during mm-hmm. my school year. I went like right after I was done with school. That my girlfriend yeah. at the time was like a year right, right before me, so I went to her prom at yeah. a different school I never even right. got, went to before. Yeah, yeah. So basically, what you're saying is you you dated underage girls and you got to go to their prom. That's what I'm hearing out of this. I didn't date like a prom. It was like we're like one year apart. <laughs> All right, fine, fine, whatever. But the school I went, she went whatever. to a different school than me, but I went to her prom. Right. I didn't know anybody at her prom, but I knew, you know, people at mine, I guess, were different. I got it, I got it. So, yeah, I was like our boy Lou, though. Just show up. Hey, you look okay, I guess. <laughs> so, um, so after they, they did a little rival and stuff, um, Kim just like, yeah, you'll just wait and see. We'll see who Nick takes home, all right? So now we have the killer. He's ripping up some like yearbook pictures and shit. And now we have uh, the girls and stuff. They're all in the cafeteria now. Okay. And our boy Lou decided to put on a ski mask. For whatever reason. And now he's trying to force kiss Kim. Mm. So and this, and then so then her brother Alex comes out of there. And he's like trying to fight. He basically is like, you know, fighting um, Lou. We're trying to sexually assault his sister. Okay. So they started fucking <laughs> right. fighting everywhere. And kind of like a little bit of a, pretty much like a little brawl breaks out. And put a lot of people fighting around everywhere until like um, some of the school staff break it up. And then they bring Nick and they bring Alex. They bring them to the principal, which just so happens mm-hmm. to be Nick's dad. Yep. And Kim's dad as well, too. So now um, Nick, you know, he during this time, he's basically trying to end everything with uh, Wendy. He's like, listen, don't be calling me. Don't be hitting up my non-existent cell phone at the time. Just don't be calling me on the landline. Be calling me on the landline. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sure. It's like that. The landline, love brother. So he's like, don't be doing all that with me. And then... Uh, and then now we're we're back at the the principal's office because they're kind of like taking. Um, so after like you know Nick like blows her off, like the the security guy is bringing Lou and he's bringing Alex, 
um, towards the principal's office, but Wendy, she wants to have a conversation with Lou. Okay. She has, to, she has some boiling over here. So now we're in the, the principal's office, and they want him to explain what happened at the cafeteria. All right? And then, like, basically, the Lou was like, listen, man, I was just, like, hanging around there and stuff, and this guy came up and swung at me. He's like, that's not true at all. I was trying to, you know, make his way with, my, with, with Kim. And then, like, and then Lou was like, okay, I know how this is going to go. And then the dad literally says, yeah. It's going to go like that. Yeah, I do have an adventure. That is my son. That is my daughter. And you did do that stuff. So guess what, Lou? I am going to take the side of my son. You're suspended. Mm-hmm. So get the fuck out of here. Get the oh. fuck out. And then Lou's like, oh, fuck. So he's suspended. So he won't be going to the suppose prom because he got suspended. Supposedly. Supposedly, right. brother. So then he... So now... um, So... So now he's talking to his son and he's like, okay, you know, let me just take a look around and then go go to the nurse and she'll take care of what will happen to you. All right. And then he throws that mask, that ski mask in the trash can. Hint, 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 hint. Mm-hmm. And, and. So the lieutenant now is now, he's going over the, the killer's motives now. He's all thinking this in his head. He's like, yeah, the killer's motive is like revenge against the home. And he's like, He's a psychopathic killer. I gotta find this psychopathic killer, and I gotta wait for him, and I will get him outside. Yeah. I was like, okay, this guy, the the one that escaped from the mental institution. Yes. So he's just kind of like, you know, trying to like pick pictures, you know, pick a couple of stuff together to kind of put the pieces together and figure out his game yeah. plan about how to like find this guy. Right. Well, I mean, you got to admit it is. I mean, you can't blame it. It is kind of odd, right? That the guy that they pinned the murder of this child on in 1974 just happens to escape from prison this the very same night that all these murders start again. Yes. I mean, you know, what are you going to think, right? I mean, it is odd, right? Yeah. Very, very logical motive right here. So, and that's what we think this killer is so far. So the killer tells, um, so now, uh, now we have Kim. So, but now we're like at like this outside picnic. So I guess the school in Canada over here is like near like the ocean, like or near like the water. So we're outside right now and we have Nick and we have Nick and Ken and they're walking around and, you know, basically Nick's basically says like, you know, I feel, you know, Kim was explaining like, this is like almost like the mm-hmm. anniversary of her sister dying. All right. And she's kind of upset right. about it. The whole family's upset about it. Uh, but she's still going to go with this prom stuff anyway. And Nick, you know, he's, he, he said like, I was there when you're, you know, I was like, you know, I, I heard about all her stuff when your sister died and stuff. And, you know, I feel bad for, you know, what happened. And he's basically trying to, ex- he, he wanted to tell her like, yo, I was like, basically part of it like he wants to like come out and tell her because he actually really loves kim because he said i loved you Mm -hmm. and everything on here and he wanted to be like you know i was like you know semi responsible for your sister dying Uh, but before he could say that the um the school bell rings and kim comes back so uh (laughs) this is actually one of my favorite scenes so wendy and her cool car she picks up lou all right and they go to like a drive-in, all right. Mm-hmm. And then my boy Louie just fucking uh, 
the, the, like the, the, the driving girl comes up to the girl. Like, hey, what, what do you want? What's your order? And like, what do you want for your order? And it was like, oh, fuck, you know, I ain't got no cash. All right. And so Wendy's like, Wendy's like, okay, don't worry, but I got it. He's like, you got it? All right, yo, I'll get like sure. two cheeseburgers, double cheeseburgers. I'll get some fries <laughs> and shit and a beer. Yeah, I hate that guy, right? And like, the girl's that like, guy, that's the asshole, right? <laughs> like, damn, he's the guy who's like, you got two cheeseburgers, okay? Some yeah. fries and a beer. The girl's like, ain't no beer here. There's like some drive through and shit. He's like, there's no beer? Yeah, it's I, like, fuck. And he looks what? at her. He looks like Wendy's like, okay, I'll fuck it. I'll just take a Coke. Yeah, what a dick, right? Like, he's like I would yeah. never do anything. He's like, like, if you're going to pay for my food, I'm not going to order everything on the damn menu. Uh, to be honest with you, I definitely do that to Beth, but that was just me trolling. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, dude, no problem. And I like, I like how he like looked at her. He's like, all right, don't worry, I'll just get a coke and get her one too. And she's like, I'll take a diet coke. Okay, so basically, they're coming up with a plan to ruin the king and queen ceremony. That's basically their motives. Yeah, over here because Ken, Kim. I mean, not Kim. Wendy wants revenge for Cam stealing her boy, Nick. And mm-hmm. Lou wants revenge for the school and Alex because he got suspended. So now we have a pact of Lou and Wendy together. And then she's also saying, like, listen, Wendy's saying this. I also don't want anybody seriously hurt. So don't hurt anybody during your little plan that you have over here to fuck up the, right. uh, the prom. And he agrees. So now we have uh, Jude and uh, this is also one of my favorite scenes too. So now we have June and uh, one of the uh, uh, and Kim playing tennis. Okay. Yeah. And so apparently there's like this gardener guy. Okay. Who is like the uh, he he like Kim kind of gets like a little freaked out by this guy. He's like the uh, the school gardener or school school maintenance guy. Okay. And yeah. And like he is, uh, he's a little odd. Okay, a little. And we're kind. So this movie is like we're kind of like led to believe like the killer was like different people. You know what I mean? Like we're led to believe yeah. there's this psychomaniac that wants revenge because a town thought he was the murderer of this Robin girl. And mm-hmm. then the second killer we're led to believe is like this creepy, very silent, uh, maintenance worker at the school okay so we have one of these blonde tennis girls be like hey uh the the worker guy he's like hey check this out and she like moons his ass and i was like well fuck (laughs) where'd that come from so i thought that was a good scene i think that's just like i don't know like like high school yeah girls like Taunting people, you know, taunting people with like their sexuality or whatever, and yeah. then like, because obviously we're supposed to believe that this weirdo maintenance guy is 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 the killer at this point, or maybe he is, but yeah. which is kind of annoying. Like, really, I mean, like, come on, I mean, he's just a guy who does a job, right? Yeah, and you we'll, know, we'll, I mean, he's not, you yeah. know, he's not like the scum of the earth or anything. No. Yeah, we'll, like we'll, Lou. Yeah, well, like we said, at this time, though, like, he's made to believe, like, he's mystery. And his name is Sims, by the way. Right. Sims is his Sims, name. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he looks on, and he actually like, I like seeing that, that teenager-ass brother. <laughs> so Kim and that other girl, well, I guess, they kind of, are they high school? I guess they're seniors, right? 
I guess they're seniors, yeah. Because, boy, these people look like they were in college. And don't tell me they weren't. Well, like the girl that played um, Wendy. Yeah. She's the one that goes to the prom with Lou, right? Yeah. Yeah, she looks like she's fucking 40. Bro, she, yeah, I know. Like, she, <laughs> at least 30. When she showed up, pass. I was like, is she a teacher? Yeah, I know. Like, she looked like she's like fucking 40. Bro, she looked like she could pass for at least 30. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> so now Kim and they're like taking the shower now. So we got to have our shower scenes yeah. in here. And they, talk about, scene. and they talk about sex, brother. Mm-hmm. So we know we got we got to get that part in the 80s, brother. And then they uh, and then they ask about and the other girl is Kim. That's the one she was taking a shower with. And they ask about yeah. you know the who, you know who they're going to the prom with and stuff. Obviously they already know. And then the big talk is basically you know like I said before like Kim, big thing. So Kim's big you know Kim is like she she's established and stuff and she's thinking about what she's gonna be doing with Nick that night. And then Kelly is like super nervous because Kelly's like, listen, this Drew guy, he she he basically wants to fuck, but I'm not like comfortable yeah. with it yet. So they're kind of like going back and forth about, and then, you know, and Kelly's trying to convince herself too, you know what I mean, about having sex with this Drew guy. And then they hear the, the mirror crash. They go rush to the mirror. They look at it. It's all, you know, broken and stuff. And they see a part of it missing. Uh-uh. Mm. And then they ask, like, you know, who was here? They go look outside and everything. Your shirts are still off and everything, looking outside. <laughs> All right. This, this is the 18 to 34 demographic for the male. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, or, yeah, even for me, but yes. yes. So they all go back inside. They see a piece of the glass missing. And this is when this is when we cut the scene. Kim is going past Sims, their nerdy maintenance guy. And she's kind of freaked out by him because, you know, she does. She gets weird vibes from the guy. Mm-hmm. So now we have, um, now everybody's preparing for the, uh, for the prom. This is a rehearsal, okay? We're all preparing for the rehearsal. We have Kim, we have Nick, we have Alex there. He's doing the sound and everything. We have one of the teachers. Uh, she's basically telling him how to walk on the stage uh, Nick's yeah. trying to make some jokes about it. It's like he makes like a creepy joke in the back where it's kind of creepy back here. And they do the whole re- rehearsal. And apparently Nick and Kim got voted as the most popular people in school. Oh, oh nice. It must have been a very small school. <laughs> and then now we have the creepy Sims guy. He's sweeping up the rest of the mirror pieces. To, to be like, oh, well, maybe he pocketed one of these mirror pieces because he's the killer. So now, <clears throat> Kim is now walking around the school nervous. She goes to her locker, nervous. And now we have Jude. She is now going to her locker and now she is nervous too. And mm-hmm. a couple of things that's happening is also too, all the people who were involved with the accident murder, they all have yeah. their pictures in their locker rooms with um, a piece of glass on them. So Wendy got one, well, Jude got one, and Kelly mirror. got one. A piece of mirror, yes. A piece of the yeah. mirror. So now Jude, she's you know, sees a little creepy picture and everything, glass. Um, Kelly also got one too, and they're just very confused by it. They're like, what the fuck is this? Okay. Maybe it's, maybe it's our prom dates, brother. Maybe they gave us some maybe. pictures with glass on them. You know, no problem. To show how much they love us. Yes. 
So now we have the the cops and stuff, and they're searching for this. Uh, so so apparently, the insane "Don't Call Me Michael Myers" killer was driving around yeah. in a blue BMW. Right. And they need to find this one, and maybe they'll find some more evidence on this guy, or like you know where his whereabouts are. So that's a new wrinkle in that 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 part. So. Uh, so now the lieutenant's like, okay, so, you know, since, and they also found the, the BMW kind of close to like the, where the school area is at. So now the lieutenant's like, okay, what I want you guys to do, I want you to surround the, the school area <laughs> and patrol there. Okay. So we can keep a good eye out for this guy. So now we have uh, Wendy. She is now on the phone. Okay. She's semi flirting with Lou over the phone. And mm-hmm. she asks if everything is ready. And this is when we're back at Kim's house. Apparently, like, the mom was asking for some dark lipstick. And the, da- the dad and mom are about to be leaving because, you know, the dad is the principal. So he is going to be one of the main chaperones or head of the prom guys there. But right. they're going to get there well, before she- Kim does. Right. She asked if Kim took it. Yeah. Because she's like, you know that dark lipstick that you like, did you take it? And Kim says, no, I didn't take it. So, okay, so I'll just say it right here. So (laughs) at this point of the movie, I mean, we can tell that somebody possibly in Kim's family knows what happened. Okay? Yeah, kind of. And I thought it was the whole family knew about it, and they were planning this prom to get revenge on all the kids and to kill them all at this prom out in the open so they had like a background. I thought I thought the whole family was doing this. And I actually oh, wow. think that would have been like a maybe a little bit better of a storyline than what we got. You know what yeah. I mean? Because That's kind of complicated though. I mean, you, it could have worked. And I'll explain at the end how it could have worked. But the sure. thing is like, you know, because if you, if you notice it, the dad was acting a little strange. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The mom was acting Absolutely. very strange. Okay. And Kim, you know, she was playing it pretty straight laced, but I thought the swerve with her would have been crazy. And of course, Alex, we barely even saw the guy half the time on the film. So, but I'll, I'll tell you how I would have done it a little different towards the end. But we'll keep going over here, brother. So, so, <laughs> so, Kim, <laughs> listen, I don't know why I thought this was funny. So, Kim, Kim's ready. She's she's wearing like this like '80s pink dress to the prom. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this thing was fucking ugly. I'm, I don't care what anybody says. Okay. Yeah. Well, it is the '80s. So Alex comes there. They start talking a little bit about you know they're excited about going to the prom. The doorbell rings. So Alex goes gets the doorbell. It's Nick. By my I, Nick, he was wearing one of the blue suits from Dumb and Dumber. I was like, holy yes. shit. <laughs> So, I mean, this had everything, bro. It had, like, this it's, ugly blue suit, this ugly pink dress, yeah. disco. I mean, fuck, it just had it. Just, th- just throw it all at us. Okay, just throw it. It did. It had it all. Okay. It had it all. <laughs> so, they're talking about how all great they look and stuff. And they go into the car, and then we can see, like, this shadowy figure looking on. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the shadowy figure looking on was actually Nick waiting for the parents to leave. Um but uh, they say how great they are, and they're all going out to the the prom now. So <laughs> now, after they, uh, they Nick and Kim are now leaving to the prom, now Wendy is there, and she's like smoking and stuff, um, and yeah. her dress is all like bright red, 
and mm-hmm. I thought hers, I thought hers looked the best. And <laughs> so it's like the complete opposite of being picked up for the prom than it was Kim and Nick. So she's out there smoking everything. Lou drives up. He starts honking his horn. The mother, like Kim's, Wendy's mom was like, what the fuck is that? She's like, don't worry about it. I'm out of here. So she gets out of there. She goes up to the car and it's like Lou and his two buddies there. Yeah, I thought this was gonna go a really different way. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, she's like, it was like, she was like, like you know, what the hell's going on here? And then Lou's like, well, they needed a ride. What was I yeah, supposed to do? Cause, and she's yeah, like, because right over. Yeah, and she's like, well, where's your suit? He's like, well, fucking in the trunk. She's yeah, like, whatever. Trunk. She's like, whatever. Do you got everything planned? She's like, he's like, yeah, I got everything planned. And he's all like, I guess you look all right. They just drive off. I was like, "Damn, okay." Yeah. Well, I mean, she she is only with him so she can get revenge on Nick. Yes. And Kim. Yes. So now we see a couple of the uh, the yearbook uh, pieces and her phone all happening. There's a couple of shots of the school, so we're seeing a lot of scenery shots now. And now we are finally at the prom, brother, and everybody is oh, dancing, yeah. and they're looking '80s, and then boy, they start playing all this disco music. And it was ready to roll, brother, because this is basically like it was like a disco themed prom over here. Well, I mean, you know, it's the times, right? Yeah. It's the disco times. A lot of smoking in there, shots of girls' oh, yeah. asses. It's great. So now Kim and her dad are dancing. This is the part that you were laughing yeah, this up is on. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and they were talking a little bit about how the mom was nervous. Yeah. So I'm still thinking my theory at this time is true because, you know, the mom is nervous. The dad was a little saying everything. Don't worry, all our plans are gonna go correctly. I'm like, okay, what? What is? What? I I felt like there's something. What? I think like yeah, like what? What are they talking about when they're talking about their plans going correctly? What? What? So what we're led to to me, that's what we're led to believe that the whole family is in on it. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. But I guess in overall, he just means like the whole plan of the prom's going pretty well. Sure. So now Wendy and and Lou show up, and the crew all show up, and then fucking this is great. oh brother, you never. This is like a dance off shit. They all like st- yeah. so Kim looks at her a little bit, and she fucking goes to the other girls, and they start like like talking smack and everything. She takes, and then like Nick's like, oh god, what is she what is she doing here and everything? And she's like, don't worry about it. Let's just show them what we got. It. And they start doing like dance moves and shit. <laughs> I was like, okay. It becomes like Saturday Night Fever. All I, know, I know exactly. It just randomly turns to. But like, <laughs> but like Lou uh-huh. is wearing like when he talks about a suit, like he's wearing like a tuxedo top <laughs> and jeans. Yeah, exactly. It was in the trunk, brother. Don't worry about it. It was in the trunk, right? Yeah. And then they do like their little dance routine and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And like, so uh, did you know that the song I was playing? It was like mm. it was like prom night. Everything's oh, yeah, all yeah. right. Prom night. So it's it's all weird right. though. I have heard that song before, mm-hmm. but I didn't know it was from this movie. So strangely, I've never seen this movie before. Yeah. Um my first time. You too. know, I've seen I thought I'd seen like just about every 1980s horror film, especially slasher film, but I'd never seen this. But yeah, I have heard that song, that prom night song, but I guess that was written by Paul Zaza for this movie. Yeah, that's a good song. That they still play that. Yeah. Hell yeah! I so. mean, it's a great song. Paul Zaza is a fucking genius. That guy makes that guy writes great music. So apparently, the lieutenant the the lieutenant is at the prom, just hanging around, smoking everywhere, just staring at staring there. at teenage ass. I saw him, 
and right, he is yeah. waiting there to get a phone call because basically what he's there is because he thinks the insane don't call me michael myers killer is around he's going to come to this prom so he right, is like right. he's staking out the place and he gets a call and he's like okay nothing yet we haven't seen anything yet okay guys keep it keep patrolling all right so now the kim and the girls are talking in the bathroom all right she's like kim's like oh fuck did you see that wendy over there fuck she looks hot tonight that's okay all right, we still got these girls. <laughs> I was like, damn, this is what these, these girls, they ain't playing around, brother. All right, they're they're going at it, okay? Uh, and they're all, like, talking about, like, you know, Kelly and stuff, and and then uh, and then uh, this is, like, Wendy and Lou. They start dancing now, which is, like, yeah. semi-awkward. Yeah, semi, yes. So so now, now we cut. Now we figure out what happened to our girl, Kelly, okay? So, mm-hmm. because she was in that room too, and she was basically like looking kind of nervous because she knew what she had to do up next. So apparently, our boy mm-hmm. Drew he doesn't wait until after the prom. No, he wants sex right now during the prom. Yeah, in the locker room. In the locker room, brother. All right, yeah. he's like, listen. And also, <laughs> go ahead. I was gonna say also in the scene before, um, isn't that what they were talking about when she's talking to the girls and she says, yeah, the girls tell her that it's just like getting a shot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm like, is that what is that what sex is like? Like getting well, in a the shot, 80s, yeah, really? brother. Yeah, you just give it a shot. I guess in the '80s, so I guess so. Yeah, yeah. They, they were first talking about how great Wendy looked, and then they're just yeah. like, and then they they noticed that like, Kelly was a little nervous, and they're just mm. telling just to get it over with. <laughs> just get it done. Let's get, get, get it done. So they start getting it on, brother. This this Drew guy, he was like, I'm not I'm not taking you know I'm doing it all the way. I'm going up there. So they're kissing. He's like licking her and everything. All right. Yeah. And uh, Kelly, she just can't. Like she backs off, she can't do it. All right, so, so eventually she backs off about twice. All right, and then my boy Drew is like, "This shit's some fairy tale princess shit here." All right, and she's like, "Drew, please." All right, and he's like, "Listen, if you if you don't, I know plenty who will." And he gets back his own shit. He gets out of there, brother. All right, and then she's all upset and stuff. She's like, "You motherfucker, you'll be back." Uh-huh. All right, and then she's like, "Drew, you bastard." All right, he'll he'll be back. All right. So, and then after you know, Drew leaves and everything, she's all upset and everything. And then this this darkened figure behind her grabs her, and yeah. then and then uh, Kelly is our first um, victim out of that crew. That she gets killed with a piece of glass. And the killer is basically dressed in all black with the mm-hmm. ski mask that Lou had. And I'm not sure if the yes. ski mask got glitter on it, but it was a little shiny in certain scenes. It was very shiny, yes. It was very shiny. And this is the scene I was talking about where, you know, he basically the killer grabs Kelly from behind. He takes the huge mirror glass and he proceeds mm-hmm. to cut her throat. But we don't actually see the slicing of it. We basically see it for no, a second. No, no. He does it, and then we just see her on the floor, which I can respect because that shit ain't ha- that hard. You know, it's, you know, if you don't have like a budget or shit like that, that's that effect. You know, nowadays it's easy because there's like stuff they use. But you know, back in the day, it yeah. might have been a little harder. You know, because because you, well, you, you basically have to get a machine or you got something on the prop that can create the the blood uh, effect on there. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, but I mean, like it also machine. looked really good though. Like I thought yeah. the scene like with her laying on the ground looked really good because like it just 
it had a lot of details that, you know, who knows, maybe they were accidental, but maybe they were planned. Like the scene where um, there's like blood running out of the corner of her mouth, but she has blood on her teeth too. Like it just looked really good. And then it has this like close up, like it goes into close up of her face, but then it goes into like the close up of her eye and her eye makeup. I thought that was gorgeous. Like it was yeah. a beautiful shot. I loved it. So after all this, Drew, he actually just finds another girl. And he just leaves. Gotcha. Yep. So Kim that was uh, also uh, pretty amazing. So he basically walks up to this girl at a punch bowl and smells her. Yeah, and then she walks away with him. Yeah, I mean that's all. If you, I had known that years ago, I could have just done that. Well, duh. I mean that's how you do it, bro. All I right? know. I should have. I should have met you years ago. You would have taught me all these things. Exactly. Like just smelling a girl will make her want to go fuck you. Yeah. I mean, duh. I mean, all you do is like, okay, you getting punched. I'm getting punched. There mm-hmm. you go. That's all you need. So Kim, yep. Kim leaves also too. And the lieutenant, he's still on the phone trying to figure out, you know, where the fucking guy's at. He wants results. All right. <laughs> so my boy Slick. All right. He's like, I ain't taking my girl into the fucking prom. I'm just going to fuck her in my van. And that's what he does. So Slick in there and he's Jude and they're fucking in his van. All right. And then Slick, he, he was too much on the bro- fucking, he broke his glasses. Okay. And now he has to pee. All right, so now he's like peeing outside and stuff, and then he asks like, yeah. he has like, well, how was it? And she was like, oh god, it was the best ever. The best ever. He's like, oh yeah, it was my my best ever too. And she and she was like, oh yeah, it was my first time as well. So they're both virgins. They just fucking uh, broke their virginity. Okay, you know what that means in, in horror his movies. Van, yeah, in his vans, bro. You know what that means in horror that movies. That you're about you're to fucked. fucking die. You're fucked. You got fucked. All right. <laughs> I so, thought this scene was really funny. I don't know yeah. if it's intentional, but it was hilarious to me. Anyway. <laughs> there was a couple of funny stuff. <laughs> so now, like, after he's done pissing outside, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. like, uh, uh, look at the stars out there. Look all great. They're like, okay. They basically look, just go out and lay outside, and they start kissing mm-hmm. under the stars and stuff. And then Which they, is great. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And the killer's in the background and everything. And then uh, they're basically laying down. Slick hears a noise. He's like, well, mm-hmm. what's that, that stuff? He's like, oh, let's just go back to the van. He's like... I wanted our joint anyway. Yeah, brother. Yeah. Yeah, we need more weed in the movies nowadays. Back in the day, brother. Absolutely. They were smoking in and out all around the place. So they go back into the van. Uh, the the killer's still stalking everybody. And then eventually, Slick, he gets like this history book and he starts giving us a history lesson for some reason. All right? They start smoking some pot and... This is ba- basically the girl Jude saying like this is basically her the best night of her life so far. Yeah. All right. So correct. she kind of like leans back a little bit in the van, and then the van fucking opens right up, and the fucking killer has an axe now, and he just chops that girl. All <laughs> but right? that's not the funny. That's not the funny part though. Okay. Because she's like she she smokes the joint right, yeah. and then they're all talking, and she's like, "I'm gonna remember this for the rest of my life." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> And then immediately after that, the, the van doors open yeah. up and she gets her fucking head cut off. That's like, fucking yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. And then like... Which won't be 10 more minutes, but yeah. yes. And then like after that, like the the slick guy's like, oh shit, <laughs> fuck this. All right. And he's like... This was awesome too. He like tries to like go up to the front seat and like, I don't know what was going on, but this weird music was playing in the background. Like it was like some sort of like country's yeah. weird song in the background. <laughs> And like yeah. they're getting like chased in his van, like the killers like in the van stuff, and they're like, like doing circles around the whole fucking uh, whatever area they were in, like the the woods area they were in. Yeah, I mean, I th- I I watched that again. Like th- I think that's a 
for a, for a, for just looking at it from a purely filmmaking perspective, like I think that would have been a hard hard scene to make. Yeah, because basically the guy's like attacking him on the door, right? And the and the van is spinning. Yeah, and this is shot in real time. Yeah, like the van's actually spinning at that moment, and the guy's hanging on the side of the the stunt man or the guy playing the the killer is hanging on the side of the van. Like that van could have started going, could have got traction and started going at any moment, and he could have been pulled under it and died. Yeah. Like I think that's crazy that they shot it that way. But yeah, so he's hanging on the side of the van trying to kill the guy, and then um, and then this they go around in a circle for a minute, and then he climbs in through the door and finally gets him. Yeah, he climbs in the door and gets him, and then he eventually like knocks him where the van's gonna yeah. go off hill, and he jumps out of the van. But like I don't know if you noticed this, but then when when the van was going off hill, it like blew up before it even hit anything. Yeah. So one thing that people often may not know about movies like this is cars almost never blow up from from accidents. Yeah. Like you know, it's like it's like the it's like the movie cliche, right? They go off a cliff and blow up. That almost never happens in real life. But when you look at this one, and you don't even have to slow this shit no, down. You like, don't have to, bro. Like, you just it watch blew it real up time. before <laughs> it, even even before it even came close to hitting the bottom of the ravine. <laughs> it's like it's like a good like at least three seconds or five seconds or something before yeah, it, it yeah, was at great. least. And but you can just tell it's like with that, you know, Paul Lynch is probably like, well, we can only afford to do it one time, yeah. so this has to be good enough. Yeah, be good enough. Fuck it. They ain't gonna pay attention. They just went. <laughs> Right. Who cares? Nobody will right. see this shit anyway. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so now we're back at the party, right? So Wendy's like dancing with Lou and everything. She's like, oh, listen, I just don't want anybody hurt, okay? That's like her main thing. She's like, I want you to embarrass them, but don't hurt anybody. All right? Yeah. And then now the uh, the, the creepy um, grounds guy is like drinking, I guess, during this time too. So now Wendy, uh, she is now she's like going back into like the, uh, the restroom and stuff to freshen up. Yeah. All right. And then during this stuff, she kind of hears some noises and stuff. And she's basically being stalked by the killer at this time. Right. And the yeah. killer kind of like pushes her to go to the locker room. And then from the locker room, they go into the, the, uh, the school. So basically she's getting chased by the, the killer during this time. So instead of going out to the party, she got kind of pushed back into like the the school part of like you know like mm. the classroom and stuff. So she's like, this, we, this is where we get our big chase scene, um, where the killer's like running towards her. Um, she's going to like yeah. all the classes and stuff, going to the school rooms and stuff. Uh, she finds an area with cars, um, so she basically breaks into this car, tries to stay in there, and then the the, the killer eventually finds her in this car, so she escapes in that car away from him. And uh, she now she's like she, now she runs into the storage room and now she's like you know crying and stuff because there's crazy maniacs after her. Yeah. And then now the killer is like he's like walking the halls with like an axe. He has an axe from earlier. And then we see like this like red paint drop. Um, but it's not only paint; it's also Kelly's body. All right. <laughs> yeah. On there too in that storage room. And then, uh, then Wendy leaves and stuff. And then she gets, uh, once she leaves and stuff, then she gets, she basically gets killed. So, so yeah, Wendy basically gets like chopped. So she dies after she gets out of that storage room. So now we have the doctor. Um, he's telling that. So I bet, I guess the doctor is saying that they, 
they got him, they, they, if I'm led to believe, I think the doctor was saying that they found the crazy psycho killer guy and he wasn't at the school. All right, so now the lieutenant's going to be going telling like the dad and stuff about this. But at the time, the gardener guy was saying there's a killer loose in here right now. Okay. And they all like just think he's crazy. So they just take him away. All right. Right. So then we have Kim. She is about to be preparing to be like her, her show, like the showing of the king and queen. Okay. And then Lou said like they're about to, Lou's about to do his plan. All right. And they're like, hey, there's no Wendy's. There's no Wendy here. And he's like, screw her. I don't really care. I'm going to do the plan anyway. I don't care anymore. All right. Right. So the plan, I guess Lou's plan was this. So like we have Nick getting his crown on. Kim's getting her crown on. So Lou like grabs Nick and like ties him up. And he's going to come out as the king. I guess he was, his plan was to come out as the king of the school and embarrass Kim. On stage, I guess. At the I guess so. Or something. Like, obviously, I- any plan that Lou is going to yes. come up with is going to be a fucking winner, right? Yes. So, I guess that's, that's his plan was embarrassment <laughs> of himself or something. Of himself. Yes. So now we see, you know, the killers kind of like around the hallway during all this stuff. Uh, Kim, she's she's like she's like taking, you know, she's getting ready for her crown. Over here, mm-hmm. she's like getting ready, getting her crown on. Everything's getting ready. Um, so now Lou is kind of like you know got the crown on. He's ready to go, going about to do his things. We have uh, Kim. She's kind of like walking out a little bit first, and then before Lou can even walk out, his head gets chopped off by the killer. Clean, clean, brother. One little swing. So yeah, that which is uh yeah. If you've never, if you've ever tried to cut anyone's head off, it's definitely not that easy. Yeah. Um, not that I would, not that I would know. Um, this guy just cleans it straight off, brother. Record. But yeah, he just came straight off. But one thing I did want to mention that we skipped, though, um, yeah. I think. So the scene where um, Kim and um, shit, Nick, Nick, Nick is Kim's date. Yes. Yeah. So the scene where Kim and Nick are dancing. Oh yeah, the, the the dirty dancing style. Yeah, yeah, the disc, the the dirty dancing scene. Yeah, like I think that was fucking amazing. And that I did great. some research on that, and they didn't use a steady cam at all. Like the steady cam was invented for Halloween, essentially. So like a steady cam is like this rig that the cameraman wears that no matter where he steps or whatever, it it's like a gimbal. It was like an early gimbal, and it kept the the camera steady so that you didn't it didn't jerk around. But like it's amazing that they shot this scene as well as they did with no steady cam. So that was all handheld camera work. I mean, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, that was a great dancing like, too. Like, like there's no way you. Yeah. Could, I mean, it, it. I don't even know how you would even do that without it being any more jerky. Yeah. Like without it being jerky like that. I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah. But anyway, yes, Nick got his head cut off. So here we're back yeah. to where we are. So like, while while Nick got his head chopped. No, it's not Nick. It's Lou. Lou got his head chopped Lou, off. Lou, I'm sorry. Lou got his head chopped off, yes. So during this, the killer not only chopped off Lou's head, but he also hit like an electric cord. So he got pushed back. But then Lou's head like got chopped it's- off and rolled <laughs> right on stage. Then everybody's yeah. like, what the fuck's that? And they look at him, they all just run out. They all like, get out of there. Yeah. And then um, then when, then when uh, uh, Kim, she realizes like, oh fuck, where's Nick at? So she finds Nick and she unties his ass. 
And then they try to leave, mm-hmm. but then they got they get they get stopped by the killer. Oh, of course. And then the killer starts mm-hmm. fighting Nick on the disco floor while disco music is playing. Which I thought that was this great. was great too. Yeah. I love this. Like the yeah. whole like, I mean, in 1980, this probably meant more than it does now. But like, there's they're like fighting on the disco floor yeah. with disco music playing at the same time and like the lights going everywhere and the killer's like shiny like reflective or a uh, sparkly ski mask it's <laughs> fucking great yeah this is this fantastic and all the colors all the lights everywhere it was, so, yes, it was cool it was so good so like cam <laughs> is trying to like kind of knock him a little bit but the guy kind of like the killer just like knocks her off a little bit and yeah, eventually yeah. she actually gets like the axe and like knocks him in the face like pretty hard <laughs> And then, like, yeah. the killer gets up and he just, like, stares at Kim. And Kim stares in his eyes. Is like, she's like, oh, fuck. I think I know who that she motherfucker is. is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, after all the, they're fighting everything, and they just, like, after, like, the, you know, the killer kind of, like, he kind of, like, you know, he got hit. I, he probably has like, a concussion or something because he got hit pretty hard. And he is, like, kind of like, going away. Uh, he's kind of going outside, mm-hmm. like, in front of the school. And like, yeah, they run out the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of run out the door. So Nick and, and, and Kim follow him. And he's like out the door and everything. And now we have like all the kids out there, all the police are out there and stuff. The killer's oh, kind of like really woggly. Yeah. yeah. And like he, the cops about to shoot his ass. And, and Kim's like, don't shoot him. Don't shoot him. Don't shoot him. And he just, and then during all the stuff, we have all these flashbacks of what happened to Robin at the beginning scene and everything. We're showing mm-hmm. like her, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And then eventually is is revealed that the killer this whole time was Robin's and Kim's brother Alex, because yeah. Alex was there when she fell. He was the shadowy figure that was over her, he so he saw everything. So he, he waited and he plotted for this night exactly to take his revenge on everybody. Yeah. Because I guess he wasn't invited to play the killer is going to kill you yes. with them. Now was he shot though? Like. I think I think so I, th- I was going to ask you that question. Like it doesn't seem like it. Like yes. it looks like he just collapses. Exactly. I don't. I mean, I don't remember. Like a. I mean, I didn't watch this a bunch of times, but I don't remember there being a gunshot sound or anything. Yeah, so that's I don't what I'm think saying. he would shot. Like it make it. The movie makes it seem like he just collapsed for some reason. Yeah, yeah. It looks like he just collapsed. Maybe like the headshot was like too much for him. I don't know. So maybe like you know. Well, I mean, he got thrown back from that electrocution scene because he, you know. Accidentally, uh, there you go. That could be it too. So it's like you know, it's her brother and stuff, and he's like, he's saying like, what happened? It's like, it's like, it's like he's he's basically saying like, what happened? Like they all like killed her. They they all killed her. So he's basically super upset because he knows that all those kids basically were the cause of his younger sister's death. Yes. So, and then I guess. I'm not sure what happened, but it basically just kind of ended from there. And we kind of go back to the original like storage place and it just shows, shows the credits. So, <laughs> so hold on a second. All right. So what I thought is I mm-hmm. thought, you know, we were still going to have Alex as like the main killer, you know, but I thought the whole family was going to be in on it. You know what I mean? Like, I thought right. the relationship between Kim and Nick was, you know, Nick was all in love with her and stuff, but then slowly, but Kim was, like, the mastermind of everything. Like, you know, she was just playing, like, this Nick got, like, a fiddle. 
So maybe towards the end, you know, after all this like madness stuff happens of Lou killing him, then she would actually maybe like after like fighting stuff, maybe, you know, when they're fighting like the disco hall, I thought it was going to be Kim mm-hmm. maybe stabbing him with the, uh, the glass. You know what I mean, Nick? Right. And doing like yeah, a yeah, betrayer yeah. thing. And then we can find Absolutely. out that the dad and the mom were behind it too. And they were just babies, baby, basically just blaming everything on Lou. You know, that's what I thought was going to happen. But it basically just ended up like the whole family didn't know. It was just Alex the whole time. Yeah. Doing well, it all alone. It's a It was a much simpler time. Yeah. Very simple. But that's what I thought. I thought the, like the whole family was going to be part of it. You know what I mean? Like I thought mm-hmm. that would have been like a little bit more... That, that that's probably something they would done nowadays. You know what I mean? Like a little bit more thought out, a little bit more. So, but it was maybe, good though. Maybe. It was good. Uh, what What you mean is movies that you would make today would be more thought out. Yeah. Like, like I feel like the movie. I don't know. Like I feel like horror, making horror movies is a lost art. Like there's not a lot of people that are making really good horror films these days. Everything's like loud noises and jump scares. Yeah, there's but, a couple know, good like, ones uh, out there. You know, you just gotta find them for sure. So you gotta look for them. That's what we do on here, brother. We make it all happen. So, everybody. We do. That is the review of Prom Night starting our whole month on the Retro Blood this May. Talking about mm. school. Talking about exams. Talking about prom. Where we got it all. We got it all over here, brother. And join next, us next here week's next gonna week. It's going to be weird. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a little interesting one. So, mm. next week we were doing the Prom Night sequel. Hello, Mary Lou. Hello, Mary Lou. Which is weird, though, because (laughs) apparently it's not even like a direct sequel. (laughs) Nope. It has nothing to do with this movie. It has nothing to do with this movie at all. The only thing. I have seen this movie. Oh, really? I've never seen this one, but I heard heard it's really good, though. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I've seen Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. It has nothing at all to do with this movie at all. But I did hear the only connection is like the high school has the same name. But that's a coincidence, though. Yes. Like they even mean that. Yeah, we'll talk about this next week. We'll talk yeah. about it next week when we talk about who booked this shit. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a strange coincidence. But yes. But we're also going to be doing for the rest of this month is we're going to be doing final exam. Final exam, All right. brother. That means you know your exam is the final one you ever do, brother. The final one. It's the one that's the last one he'll right. ever take. That's the last exam you ever. That's also a 1980 film, straight up 1980. Mm-hmm. And then we're doing the one you recommended, which I've been waiting to do this one for a while. The Prowler. Prowler. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be a great month. Great movie. It's going to be a great month. You know what I mean? We're talking about college. We're talking about school. We're talking about exams, proms. Great time, everybody. But, Allison, do you have anything to take us out with when it comes to prom night? Any final words? Well, you know, I I was just saying that, I mean, I like this movie pretty good. I mean, it's no prom night, too. You know, Hello, Mary Lou. But it is a good, it is a pretty good movie. You know, it's pretty simple, but I like this pretty good. What'd you think? I general? thought, you know, same. Yeah, I was saying like that. You know, pretty simple plot. Um, I thought, you know, personally for me, I thought it could have been like a little better on the swerves, but you know, it was yeah, not bad. Yeah. Like I think that I think they were trying to make this one a little bit more like. I would say friendly, but a little bit more like basic. You know what I mean? Like we got good. We got. We want to do like more cinema dance scenes and stuff. Like we want to make it a little bit more like commercialized a little bit. You know what I mean? But well, yeah. I mean, I was gonna say that. I mean, this yeah. was definitely a cash grab. Yeah. This was Halloween made a lot of money, so let's make something like that. Yeah. And we we we'll talk about that a lot over the 
the years that we do this show because it happened a whole lot around this time. But this was definitely a, oh, Halloween made a lot of movie and money. Let's do something like that. Definitely. But what should we leave everybody with when it comes to the ACDC, brother? Man, you know, we got to play a song from Back in Black. And I mean, every song on this is great. I mean, a song in this album is great. We could play, we, we could play this, uh, like we could play this entire album. We could pick any random song, but I think that we should play a song that goes with this movie. And I think we should play "Given the Dog a Bone" because oh. I think that that fits this movie more than any anything. That's else. true. You given know, the, because, given the dog a bone. It's true because you know when we're we're, we're given the dog a bone, which is basically our boy Nick. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. know, Nick. Yeah. yeah, he was kind of pressured in. To keep yeah. everything a secret, you know what I mean. He he just wanted some ass from Wendy. He didn't really want, want anything to do with her. Just wanted some ass. He liked this Kim girl. He fought for her honor, and then eventually he survived. So yeah, we'll give him a little pass. Now, do you think Kim's gonna be all pissed off at him now that she knows that he was one of the reasons that her sister died? Well, I mean, she should be, but I mean, it was a long time in the past. So, you know, after this tragedy that they all went through, you know, maybe she forgave him. That's true. Maybe she just gonna give him a bone. Yeah, give him a bone. We all live and learn, right? There you go, buddy. All right, everybody. That's it for the retro. But we will see you here next week. Next week. Check you later. See you guys. <laughs>